What's up, guys? Thank you all for checking out this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a lot to talk about on today's show. We'll be talking about the ongoing saga involving Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Irving being sent home by the Brooklyn Home Faithful because he is remains unvaccinated and therefore unable to participate in home games for this season. The Nets finally electing uh, not to acquiesce to Kyrie's in and out um, kind of situation he has with the team, deciding that it was best for him to just stay home until he can be qualified to fully participate with the team. We'll talk about the impact on that and just kind of how we got to this point and what comes next for the Nets point guard. We'll also talk about Ben Simmons. Um, who would have thought that we'd be seeing Ben Simmons on the court before we'd be seeing Kyrie Irving on the court this year? That's looking very likely. Simmons returning to Philadelphia um, on Tuesday. He's now with the team. He'll be practicing with the team probably at the end of this week. A big about face for a guy who said that he was willing to sit out until the team would trade him. So we'll discuss the details on that. We'll obviously also be following up on the very disturbing situation happening out in Las Vegas with John Gruden, who... Um, resigned as Raiders head coach after some really disturbing emails had been revealed via the NFL investigation into the Washington football team. Very curious that somehow uh, Gruden is out and we don't know much about the Washington football team. Nonetheless, um, that is a situation, uh, a very tense situation on Monday with with, uh, whether or not they would move on after more emails were revealed by the New York Times. So we'll, we'll just give our thoughts on that as well. And we'll wrap the show talking to some college football because there is a pretty major quarterback controversy happening in Oklahoma after a thrilling confirmation win in the Red River showdown against Texas. Caleb Williams, Spencer Rattler, who is the guy moving forward? We'll give you guys our thoughts in a second. Joining me are my co- is my co-host, Kendall Stewart. Kendall, a lot to unpack this week. I took one week of vacation, and here we are. I come back the week to do sports talk, and it's just like uh, an avalanche of just major stories this week. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's not even – I mean, obviously, we took a week off, and we uh, – that doesn't even cover the whole uh, Urban Meyer situation, which oh was my a, God. a whole <laughs> other scandal. So it's been, it's been, a, it's been a tumultuous time uh, right now in, in both the NBA and the NFL. Uh, and not to mention, obviously, Major League Baseball uh, yes. had quite a few great postseason. It's been a great postseason uh, so far to start. Excellent wild card games. Uh, some excellent, uh, you know, series. divisional series games. Um, been some controversy, but uh, what's October without controversy? So, yeah, it's been it's, it's been it's been interesting. Um, the one thing I'll say real quick on baseball is there's been a lot of there's been a lot of the narrative because of what happened to the Yankees, uh, where you know some people argue well that the Yankees are run by a team of computers and you know <laughs> nerds and whatever else you want to call them, and Aaron Boone is a puppet and he just plays on the <laughs> script and whatnot. And then what happened? What we saw against. Uh, Tampa Bay uh, with the with, with the Boston Red Sox who beat both the Yankees and the, and the Tampa Bay Rays who are very openly and and that's it's not a secret that they're very analytics uh, based front office and coaching staff 
that you know that this is a sign that analytics doesn't win in baseball. Uh, I can't. I, I I can't begin to 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 talk about how ridiculous that 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 stance is. Doesn't mean that there are there aren't different ways in which you can utilize analytics, and maybe sure. we could talk about um, the 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 utilization of of those of the data that you're that you're you're getting, and that you're what's the functional uh, use of it, but. What I will say is that, you know, the Boston Red Sox general manager, uh, Chain Bloom, is uh, is someone who, before he started working, well, first of all, where did he come from before he was in Boston? The Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, of course. We worked there for 15 years uh, yeah. before he got to Boston a couple years ago. But, but, but before that, he was also, he also worked at a sports analytics uh, blog. He also wrote for a sports analytics baseball website, and so we're talking about a guy who obviously uh, the the team that quote unquote beat the analytics teams is ran by a guy yeah. with an analytics background. But then uh-huh. on the on the NL side, the two best teams in baseball who are going at it as we speak, uh, heading into a, a, a game five. Uh, we, may, we may have a winner by the time you listen to this, but. Uh, the Giants and the Dodgers, also two heavily analytically based front offices. So, really quick uh, summary of that: uh, the idea that Moneyball is the Moneyball phase in baseball is over is uh, couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, I mean, to me, you know, the whole analytics debate in baseball is almost like the three pointers debate. I mean, there is also an analytics debate in basketball, but it's almost like to maybe kind of even simplify it. It's almost like the the, the three pointers. Uh, yeah, yeah, base or the you know, you know what kind of office you're on? Are you you know you need to run more post ups? You no, know, why are you know are you running too much five out, shooting too many threes? You know, debate that's in the NBA. Everybody's doing it. <laughs> Everybody's yeah. doing the same thing. Um, are there some teams that perhaps do it shooting. more than others? Like you know, again, like when the Rockets at Mike D'Antoni, okay, they didn't have a center, so okay, that was a little more extreme. But everyone right. is essentially is doing the same thing. They've all kind of come to the same conclusion that this is kind of the way the sport is moving. So. Um, you could disagree with it, you could dislike it, but uh, the notion that you know the teams that aren't using it more are the teams that are more advantageous. I, I don't necessarily buy that. Um, I do feel like the the Yankees and the and it was not the Rays were a very good team. You know they they lacked starting pitching. I think we saw that in um, in the postseason where they're, they're trotting out a bunch of kids, basically kids who are yeah. very talented and I think will end up being studs. But you know you're trotting out kids, you need to have a real rotation. <laughs> to win in October, you can't just think, okay, we got a bullpen that anything goes wrong, we just throw them out there and we'll be fine. You know, you're gonna that's gonna catch up to you. We saw that you know happen last year in the in the, in the World Series, and then we saw that uh, this year in the series the Red Sox and with the Yankees. And I, I think some of the ways they play aren't really all that analytically based. You know, the notion that you know you can only yeah. win by hitting your home runs is, you know, that's not necessarily based in analytics. That's that's just how the, that's the team that they built based on what their strengths are and the ballpark they play in. But I don't think it was it was smart, you know. So yeah. So other teams are, you know, trust me. Again, all the teams that are in this situation that are are working with this, they're using a a a, a rubric and a, a a kind of outline in terms of how to build a team that includes analytics along with scouting, along with kind of gut feel when it comes to you know in game management. 
you know. And I, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's, you know, it's a little overblown. Again, just like, you know, people saying, oh, this team is taking too many threes. It's like, I mean, you know, it, it's a conversation to be had, but everybody's playing relatively the same. You're not gonna, there's not going to be a team that's going to go back to playing the way baseball was in 2003, you know. So, right. so you know, it's just kind of one of those things where you kind of have to take take it for what it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could, couldn't have been couldn't have been said better. Um, so let's uh, let's let's talk about this Brooklyn Nets situation involving Kyrie Irving. So, for those to keep in score at home, Kyrie Irving, um, the only player on the Brooklyn Nets right now who is uh, unvaccinated, according to this uh, local laws in New York City, athletes who work and live in New York City that are unvaccinated cannot participate in home games because. Um, uh, anyone attending arenas or entertainment venues in New York City aren't allowed to be there if they can't prove uh, they can't provide proof of vaccination. So Kyrie Irving can't do that because he's unvaccinated. We've been kind of over this very weird situation where we had the media day where you know we talked about it on this podcast, but he it was like you know are you gonna get vaccinated? What's going on? He said respect my privacy, so we didn't know what that meant. Um, but he said that you know everything would be revealed at a later date. So, again, that was where we left off the last time we did this podcast. All these weeks went by. He still was not vaccinated. For a while, he was unable to practice with the team. Then uh, there was a clarification in the New York law that allowed him to practice because the Sunset Park Brooklyn facility where the Nets practice was deemed an office building, not an arena. <laughs> and that was a distinction that allowed him to go and practice with the team. So that was like uh, kind of a half measure that was you know helpful. But he still was not going to be allowed to play in home games. And it was becoming increasingly clear by the time we got to this week that Kyrie Irving had no plans to get vaccinated for this season, that he was steadfast in his feeling that he he did not want to get vaccinated. So it put the Nets in a bind. The Nets had to decide at that point, are we really going to um, acquiesce and accommodate a part-time basketball player? I mean, Kyrie, <laughs> there's no way to describe it. Kyrie Irving was seeking in this scenario, it's a very odd scenario. There's no, there's only very few cities else that are like this. L.A. and San Francisco are the only ones where you have this this provision where you can't play in home arenas if you're not vaccinated. They had to decide: Are we going to acquiesce a, a part-time basketball player, which is what Kyrie was going to be if they elected to go into the season with him and with no commitment from him that he was ever going to get the vaccine and prove uh, his vaccination status as being someone who got the shot. So the Nets stepped up and decided that it was no more that they can go on with this. They elected to essentially send him home. You know, I, I I've called it a deactivation. That's what to me this feels like. I don't you know that, that that's not the word that's been used, but th- if you see an, an athlete get deactivated, this is pretty much what it is. Uh, we're sending yeah. you home. We're giving you most of your money or all your money. In this case, Kyrie is only getting paid for the games that he would actually be eligible for, which I think was fascinating. Um, We'll give you your money, but just you can't be here. <laughs> so what they're saying at this point in time. So uh, it's a very weird situation. You know, we've seen the reports about, you know, uh, with the Nets considered trading him and that there was this word that, well, Kevin Durant may be getting in the way of the Nets potentially moving him. And to this day, we still haven't heard from Kyrie Irving himself exactly what is the deal with him not wanting to get the vaccine. We didn't even hear from him whether or not he was vaccinated. We know he's not, but he wouldn't even go that far to even say that he was vaccinated. Um, We got a report yesterday from Sham Sharania from The Athletic that tried to provide some insight into what Kyrie's thinking is. And 
According to this article, sources, unnamed sources, told Shams, Kendall, that Kyrie is not anti-science or anti-vax. And he's not necessarily opposed to the idea of getting a vaccination. But Kyrie says that apparently, according to this source, that he's upset by seeing vaccine mandates that are being implemented in various different work agencies across the country. And it's in some ways forcing people to lose their jobs. They're being fired um, at you know hospitals and certain other uh, teachers in New York City um, if they don't, you know, get the vaccine and that apparently he's very upset about this. He thinks this is wrong. And in the words of this source, unnamed source that he wants to quote, be a voice for the voiceless. Um, Kendall, I don't know how you feel about this. I have some idea how you feel about this probably because you, you, you've been very clear from uh, for a very long time, how you feel about Kyrie Irving as a whole. But, um, I, I thought that this was flat out ridiculous to me. Um, you know, to me, this is this, it like, I don't want to get into beliefs about vaccinations or unvaccination and the propensity of vaccines. But to me, in some ways, this is almost worse than if he was anti-vax, at least in terms of the basketball perspective. Because if you, if you just believe in your own being that I just don't believe that I should get a shot because of whatever reason, it's hard to reason with someone like that. You know, like it's like, OK, well, they don't believe in this thing. I mean, what can we do? Um, you can disagree with them. You can feel how you feel about it. But that is what it is. But this almost to me seems like an excuse from Kyrie Irving to not comply and not get on the court with his team, you know, because something as as simple as being upset about people losing their jobs because of vaccine mandates, I don't even think is a crazy stance, in my opinion. Do I disagree with it? Yes. But why disagreement is kind of irrelevant. But in terms of just on the face value, Kyrie's upset that people are losing their jobs because they're not getting a shot. Okay. I understand that could be upsetting to some people. There are nuances that I think make the situation more complicated than maybe how Kyrie's thinking about it. But nonetheless, fair is fair. But when you go to say, okay, my solution to this is to, quote, unquote, be the voice of the voiceless by not saying anything, by telling reporters to respect his privacy, and then by hiding behind unnamed sources to speak on his behalf about this thing. Kendall, he thinks we were born yesterday. This is nonsense. There's no way that this is actually why he's not getting the vaccine. I'm going to say flat out. No way. Or this is something that he's concocted as this thing is kind of unraveled and maybe he had a plan and maybe he had a vision and he had a certain situation and now he's just trying to figure out something to grasp onto because he's kind of running out of options. He's kind of running out of excuses because this is the worst one I could have thought of because there's so many things, Kendall, you could do to help people in need. During this pandemic, how many organizations have we seen celebrities and politicians and elected officials and local, you know, uh, you know, activists? How many how many organizations have we seen pop up during the pandemic to help people who are financially struggling because of the pandemic? Kendall? They're countless. Plenty. I mean, you, you can get a, you can make a gun. You, he could make a GoFundMe tomorrow and it probably make millions of dollars. Yeah. Like there. And, and, and forget about even just the organization. Obviously. This is a guy who has money. I'm not checking nobody's pockets. But we know he's well off, so he could financially help these people. To me, to say my my way to help these people is to not show up to work. I mean, it's just a... <laughs> it's just, it's just, I, mean, I laugh because I, I just don't... There's no there's no way to comprehend this and make it make sense. And I'm sorry, it's just, it's just really is tiring and frustrating to hear some people still trying to 
justify these unjustifiable actions at this point. You know, he's entitled to his opinion, but I mean, he he's acting selfishly in terms of this team. Um, he wants to be a leader of this team. Um, he's acting selfishly in terms of the commitment he's supposed to have made with Kevin Durant to come to Brooklyn and with, you know, James Harden who who came over thinking that they were going to be a big three. He's letting those guys down for something that he totally could make a, a difference. Like this issue he has, he has, he could totally make a difference while also being vaccinated and being on the Nets. The idea that he's deciding that because I'm upset about this rule that's making people lose their jobs, not only am I going to hurt my team and not be available to them, but I'm also going to not get vaccinated and in, the, in turn be a threat to anybody that's around me. How does that make any sense? Because he says he's not anti-vax. He says he believes, according to the source, that he believes in science, he believes in vaccinations. But he's this is like some kind of solidarity move. But guess what? That solidarity move puts everybody else at risk because we understand the risks that go involved with people who don't take the vaccine and their ability to spread the virus. If he's not afraid of himself or what he may get in terms of getting COVID, he should. But if he's not, he's not thinking about anybody else. This is just bad all around, Kendall. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've seen a uh, a situation. I, I mean, I think he said all that all, all that well. Um, you know, we've seen a situation where I, the question I would have for Kyrie Irving at this point um, is where is his where is his head at and where is his heart at? Honestly, about the game of basketball right now, um, does he have to? deep down rediscover a love for the game of basketball and not in a sense of the art form that he talks about right. but because I think he still does enjoy the art form but does he enjoy the NBA and all that comes with it whatever that even means for him uh, Kendall, he, he looks play. like he looks like a guy that's looking for an excuse to not play yeah I mean there are ways around this I mean to me, if he was a guy that was itching to, to get back on the court but just really didn't want to have to take the vaccine, he could just say, look, I mean, you know, Brooklyn, it's been it's been great, but, I, you know, I have to continue my career. I have an obligation to my fans. I have an obligation to Nike and, you know, my partners to, to be out there on the court. And if I can't do that right now, then if I'm not going to get the vaccine, then you have to trade me. That's the only way this 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 can go, right. but we've already seen through reporting through people like Nick Wright and others from Fox Sports that he's sort of made it clear that he's going to re- he may retire if he is traded. So in in, in many ways he, he's using that as some sort of no trade clause. And right, you know, my thing is so so what does that mean? Well, if we're if where we're at now, that means that that you're not going to play, and that that's that's what I mentioned when I said weeks ago that I don't think I don't think Kyrie's going to play this season unless he gets vaccinated because he's at a situation we're at a situation where the whole idea that he's going to play in only row games was was impossible, and he doesn't want to play on any other team, so. You know, I guess the other option would be if New York changes their policy, but that doesn't seem like that's going to happen anytime soon. So, right now, Kyrie's has a situation where I don't think he, I don't think he's going to play. And my question again would be, do you care? 
Um, it, it doesn't seem like it because if you cared, then I would say ask for a trade. Right. You know, I know you want to be close to home. I mean, you know, obviously Philly reportedly isn't super thrilled about trading for him, but there are places semi close to home that he could play in. Um, I'm sure Washington would be glad to. He'd be perfect for Washington. Potentially to take him if you know Beal says, you know what, I, I'm I'm done with this. I'm, I'm not I'm not coming back. Um. Oh, I thought you meant trading him to pair him with Beal. I mean, or that. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know how much. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what Brooklyn would want from Washington. Right. Right now, if you're Brooklyn, they have to. They've got to get something. Because right now, Kyrie's value is at its all time low. It's never been lower. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, And he's more valuable. And with that being said, he is still far more valuable to to almost every other team in the league besides the Knicks and the Warriors than. Than he is for Golden to, State. He's to, far yeah. more. I mean, than he is for Brooklyn. To, He's far more valuable. Nets, for exactly. Because with the Nets, he can only play half the games. Yeah, at most, and and that the Nets feel is apparently is untenable. So if you're the if you're if you're these other teams in the league, you may say, as we've seen with Washington. I mean, Bradley Beal is unvaccinated. Washington's not gonna. They're not gonna say he can't play. And do, they you, do you feel? Do you agree with that Nets assessment that him playing in only half the games is untenable? Uh, what I will say is that I think that there are, I think on the surface, I think it's doable, but mm. I think that there are, especially with it, with New York saying he can practice, right. that was the main part where I thought that you can't have a guy that's just, that can't even practice, be, be at the practice. <laughs> but I think that there are other things that we don't know about the NBA where they say to themselves, we can like, like just logistically, it's just not possible. To have a guy who, you know, that that's that's my assumption is that there's more to this than just, you know, basketball. Like, mm. do we do we want to play Kyrie, you know, in forty in fifty percent of the games? Um, I I get the sense that, and they you know, there's just logistical things that I think that they feel like it's not worth the trouble to have to go through this. Plus, obviously, he's also not going to be able to. Do a lot of different things, and you have to get consistent testing and all that. Not, yeah, all that yeah, the, yeah. You can't be around. I mean, that was something that someone else uh, outlined. That uh, I forgot who it was. Shout outs to them, but like, yeah, like you know, can't be around the team in certain aspects. Right. And, you gotta be masked all the time. Right. This <laughs> is like a whole different thing. every single day, and this and that, yeah. and that 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 is the, all that stuff combined with the fact that he's only gonna be around fifty percent of the games. And then, like I mentioned, what's gonna happen when we get to the playoffs? Is Kyrie right. just I can't play. I can't play in game. Yeah, one. The, the game decide. You know, they say they get home court advantage again over the Bucks. It is deciding yeah. game seven at home to go to the finals. Yeah, I mean he's he he. I mean essentially he just be living gonna, the is life. He gonna, is he then gonna get the shot? <laughs> like you know what's right. gonna happen? Yeah, you be yeah. living the life of an NBA scout where it's like yeah, I'm just on the road twenty four seven. I don't, I don't even, I don't have a base of operations. I just yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a mercenary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tend to. Yeah, the Nets mentioned words like sacrifice. Um, where it's like togetherness in terms of why they came to this decision. I thought those were, that was them kind of telling, look, like these are just basic, these are the commitments for that franchise. These are just basic commitments, uh, basic, basement, basic values that you talk about for any team sport, or really almost any team activity, like even your job. Like you got to sacrifice, there's got to be a sense of togetherness. Like allowing him to play only half the games like goes to the antithesis of that. Like the idea that, the rules literally don't apply to another 
guy on the team because he won't sacrifice because he's not committed because he's not uh in 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 you know all in on this on this goal to win a championship because you're just not you just can't lie and say i'm in all in to win a championship but then agree that you're willing to only play half the games like you know like you just can't have it both ways i know you know i know if you told him that he'd probably be very upset he probably would you know he probably would would think that that's an offense to him to say that he's not committed to winning a championship but he's just not not as much as the rest of the guys on the nets who are agreeing to be there the whole time like you know i talked to my dad about this and he made a great point you know there are definitely other guys on his team and in the nba for sure that probably were like i don't know if i want to get the shot or i'm nervous i don't know if it's but they decided, well, you're going to miss half your games. And they decided, well, <laughs> I'm going to get the shot. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins said it best. He said, I felt if I didn't get the shot. I mean, he said a lot of things bad. Let me be clear. But in terms of relating it to Kyrie, he said, I felt if I didn't get the shot, I couldn't play in the NBA. And Kyrie, I guess, came to that same decision and just decided, I guess I'm not going to play in the NBA. Like, that to me is talent. Like, Andrew, like you mentioned about how he's acting, you know, it's, you wonder his commitment. I said he act, he's acting like God doesn't want to play. Andrew Wiggins was in the same exact same scenario. The only difference is that, you know, Kyrie's a bigger star. But same exact scenario, team with big aspirations for the season that definitely need him to be there, but is, for whatever reason, staunchly against taking a vaccine. And Wiggins was being candid when asked, what made you take it? He said, honestly, I felt like it was either take the shot or lose my career. And that's interesting to me. That was his, because we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. We don't know what league officials are telling these guys. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, say that people are, are doing anything criminal or anything like that. But we we don't know what's being said to these guys who are being, you know, difficult when it comes to this thing. Especially the guys that were playing in, you know, uh, in um, in cities that have these laws. So you know, Wiggins seemed to think I felt like if I didn't do it, I was going to lose my career. So Kyrie yeah. faced that same fork in the road. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm still not gonna get the shot. <laughs> That's where, again, the whole idea of does he really want this? Is he really committed? I think those questions are fair. But someone else who was first that same decision said, "All right, I do want to play in the NBA, so I'm gonna get the shot, even though this is I'm staunchly against this or whatever." You know, Kyrie was yeah. like, "Nah, I'm still not gonna get it." And it, you can't even use money because Andrew Wiggins got a max contract too. Both of them guys is rich, so it's. Yeah. It's uh so th- that to me is just a very kind of uh illuminating way to look at it to see how one guy what he thought he was going through during this time and and the threat he was under to not take the shot. Kyrie and Kyrie was on that same threat and said, "No, nah, I'm still not taking it." That he, looks like guy doesn't want to play. He was on Instagram live tonight. He was. I didn't know. Yeah, he was go? on Instagram live tonight. I, I was just reading that. And he claims he said, "Don't believe that I'm retiring because of uh, because of this. Or don't believe I'm gonna I'm gonna give up the game because of vaccine mandates." Uh, he also he did mention he he did mention uh, that the old the idea of people losing their jobs. You know, I mean, all Kyrie speaks. He doesn't speak anything directly, but he did mention the idea that people are losing their jobs because of this. Uh, so he said. I, I mean, I didn't. I obviously, you know, you did a great job of, of finding that tweet. I I know you're just taking off by what you just read here, but like, so he's saying, don't believe that I retire over this, but he is saying that that's something that he doesn't like. I guess he he alluded to that. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. And 
So that's interesting because that's I think we've heard Kyrie kind of say that before, but not as strongly that he isn't going to retire. I, I mean, I do wonder. So what happens if a team trades for Kyrie? That'll test that theory. You know what I mean? Um, he claims he's not going to retire. So if I, you know, for example, the Dallas Mavericks say we'll we'll trade Chris Porzingis or Tim Hardaway Jr. for Kyrie tomorrow, would he retire? You know, that, that's <laughs> I don't think Nets would trade Kyrie for Tim Hardaway, but <laughs> so I almost uh, think that um, it's funny because he said uh, he, he, so. I'm, I'm reading just some of these descriptions here. In these quotes, yeah. I, I know someone saying that uh, he stated he had no plans on retiring, but hasn't stated one way or another he'll get the vaccine. He said he wasn't prepared to do so going into the season. I believe there would be some sort of exemption, which that's what I was saying. I told you that before. Is that I think that he thinks he's gonna skate by, right. um, which was you know, I don't. I mean, I I, I don't know. Like, I mean, you know, look, these guys are athletes. They're mega stars, and they get a lot of perks and privileges so um i i can actually see someone thinking like you know i andrew wiggins thought that like, i was like i told you like, that they ain't getting no exemption this thing is this is beyond basketball and celebrity like you know and and also because all eyes are on this they're not gonna allow for an athlete or celebrity to get it and then millions of people or thousands of people who don't want to get vaccinated say wait a minute what about my religious exemption so that was uh that was uh kind of foolish um. Uh, and then I see uh, someone else saying uh, he is not. Kyrie says he is not anti-vax. Says he is just strange and crazy times. Just said he's feeling uncertain. I don't know. I, I mean, I I just I, again I just feel like it's just wild to me because again this is someone who says over and over again I'm not trying I'm not going to be a distraction. I want to be a great leader, and he just does nothing to like do those things. Um, I do think it's good that he spoke because the guy he said nothing. Um, yeah, he again last time we saw him, it was respect my privacy. So here he's trying to explain himself to some degree. We don't get all the answers, but I guess we're getting some answers. But um. <laughs> I love how Kyrie uses Instagram as like, I mean, didn't he do a press conference over Instagram live? He uses Instagram as like his, it's like his players' tribute. I know, does yeah. He, IG, IG, know IG live, owns, IG uh, live is like his play. I want, does he know, know, I, uh, the who owns Instagram? I was say, I was gonna say, does no, he, who's uh, on the board of directors? <laughs> what they've done? <laughs> I know. I know. What we'll I was gonna say, like you know, like like I don't. But honestly, that kind of becomes a thing with all these, you know, kind of righteous causes. Uh, you know, Kyrie's gotten a lot of support from figures that I would almost be certain are people he would not want, you know, praising his name or being in solidarity with him or anything. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. But, you know, you know, like I said, the saying I say, you know, not it's not my saying, but I like saying the saying. <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. You know that's 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 what uh we've seen here. Um, I do think it's interesting that he said that uh he he doesn't want to retire or he's not going to retire. 
you know, who knows where where that came from. I think there's a good chance he did use it as a threat. Um, perhaps it didn't work once it got public, and now he's trying to push back. There's a, certainly a chance that you know people that are against him may want to put that out there to you know help you know create dissension within you know the Nets organization, which is certainly possible. Who you know who knows? But um, I tend to think that he 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 I tend to think that he was never going to retire, maybe, but he used it as a threat. Um, or he continues to use it as a threat and his kind of uh, the threat of him just being able to just walk away at any point in time has been a threat to make him hard to trade and make it hard for him to other teams to actually maybe take him in and give up a lot to get him. You know, I think that it works in many ways all for in his favor, in his eyes. It's a crazy situation, man. We'll, we'll continue, I guess, to follow it. Um, I hope Kyrie does the right thing, which is, in my opinion, only in my opinion, uh, well, it's the opinion of medical experts every everywhere, but um, but in my opinion, is to, to get vaccinated. Um, at the end of the day, everybody being safe and trying to end the pandemic is the most important thing. So I'm not rooting against him not to get vaccinated. This whole thing is ridiculous to me. I hope he ends up getting it at some point. But uh, but in terms of his future with the Nets, you know, Shams, he was on a Brooklyn Nets, you know, podcast, uh, you know, earlier today. He said that. You know, the Nets are not no longer offering him a contract extension. There is no way the Nets should extend him. Let's make that very clear. To my opinion. I don't know. Do you feel differently? I, they would be crazy to extend him because you just don't know what the next thing is going to be that's going to make him decide to step away from the game for a week or two or for a year. You don't. You just don't know. Yeah. You know, and know this thing is, I mean, yeah. James Harden, okay, he hasn't spoken to Kyrie. Yeah, he seems very – he seems almost enthusiastic in his frustration – to let the world know he is not talking to this dude. Yeah. <laughs> like, he James wanted to Harden. hear the question again clearly. When you, when you watch that clip. He asked him to say the question again so he could fully understand that, that he knew that he was being asked about whether or not he spoke to Kyrie. And before yeah. the reporter could even get the words out, he was like, nah, I ain't talked to him. <laughs> yeah. He was ready to walk away. So yeah, it was the same energy he had last year when he was trying to get out of Houston. So, and he also... Was, is a guy that when everything seemed like it was lined up for all these guys to be signed long-term, he's not telling Malik Andrews, yeah, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a free agent yet. I haven't experienced that yet. That should be fun. Yeah, and you so, got Stephen A. saying that, you know, Daryl Morey's just, you know, you know, salivating, just, you know, chomping at the bit for Harden to maybe become available. You know, and it, all it said yeah. was, you know, a couple weeks ago, Sean Mark said that, oh, no, we'll have Kyrie and, and James sign long-term but well before the season started, now look where we are. One guy's doing IG live from from his crib. The other guy can't wait to tell people he ain't talking to the guy that's doing IG live from his crib, and that he's excited for free agency. Yeah, it's, they, it, they're it, it's scary hours, all right, but not in the way the Nets yeah. were hoping for. Yeah, Steve Nash got to be real sick right now. Uh. But he knew what he was getting himself into. So yeah, when Kyrie said he wasn't a real coach, I mean, he he knew what he signed up for. Yeah. As soon as he got the job, he said, we don't got a coach. You know, so. Do you, a, do you feel, is this, are we watching the beginning of the end for this, 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 this Nets, quote unquote, dynasty that never, never even, hasn't won anything yet? Um... Because if you would have had this conversation last I, year, I, I, just, I really think the, the playoffs. Yeah. And I told you, yeah, Nets are never going to win a title. And 
this thing's gonna get blown up. You don't know how it's gonna happen, but it will happen. You'd be like, I don't know. There has to be major injuries. There was some injuries last year, but this is beyond injuries. <laughs> oh yeah, this is this is. And, and and I'll be honest, I I wouldn't say I would have been totally totally shocked on because if you told me, well, if I said, well, is Kyrie okay? What's it? What's how's he acting? Because right. he's a wild card. And yeah, um, in terms of do, is this is this the beginning of the end? Um, it feels that way. I don't. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say for sure. Well, you're talking about. You know, I I still think they win a championship without him. Let me be clear. He could just retire. I think they could win a championship. I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about. Is this over for those three? And in that standpoint, I feel like it. I said it feels like the beginning of the end. Um, I'm not saying for sure that it is because the solution is so simple. He just gets the shot. I think right. that they'll take him back, and one day he could win. I think they, I think they would definitely, definitely still entertain trade offers, but I don't think they, they just be jumping to anything right now. I think they trade him for anything decent. I'll be honest. Right. Um, I think if he takes the shot and he plays and everything's okay, I, I think that they would probably just go through the season and maybe try to figure out if they need to trade him next all season. Right. You know, so so that's so so that's the there are a lot of front offices right now. That are doing the math in their head, saying, "Is it worth it? And what would be worth it?" And I think there, I think those those GMs would be smart. Mm-hmm. I don't think I think you have to consider bringing them in. It's just depends on depends on the price. I mean, I mean, I think about like a team like New Orleans, where they, I mean, yes, they have a lot of chaos, but David Griffin would know Kyrie better than anybody, not anybody, but most GMs around the league. So. He may know. He may know that it's worth it. He may know it's not worth it. But there, are, you know, there are situations where, again, I mentioned Dallas, where teams where you feel like you're on the fringe of being competitive, mm-hmm. really competitive. That's it. That's say we don't have to give up a game changer. We get to add this guy. Maybe we only deal with the headache. And forgive us, you know, listeners who you know this. You know, I'm sure you know by the time you listen to this, this will. This IG live, he's I don't know if he's done now or if he's still doing it, but we'll probably be covered and you know, this is all happening essentially as we started this podcast. Um, just reading a quote here, shout out to uh Michael Scotto from um Hoops Hype, a longtime uh basketball writer, you know, based right here in New York. He said, uh Kyrie Irving on Instagram said, uh, you think I really want to give up on my dream to go after a championship? You really think you think I really just want to give up my job? You think I want to sit at home and not go after the things with my teammates that I've been able to grow and learn with? Yes, I do. <laughs> Your every action, the words don't mean anything to me, Kyrie, when the actions say something different. You know what I'm saying? Like these these words don't nothing nothing you're actually doing suggests you want to do any of these things. Because you know what it takes to fulfill your dream, I'm reading this quote, to fulfill your dream to go after a championship? It takes sacrifice. It takes, uh, you know, you know, thinking about yourself other than the, thinking about the team rather than just yourself. Um, you want to give up your job? You know what it takes to do your job? To, to be eligible, to be fully engaged. Um, you know, you, you think I want to sit at home and not go after things with my teammates? Yeah, because your teammates are out there grinding. And you're at home on IG Live. <laughs> like, I like, I, I don't, you know, to me, 
like I said, I think you put it well, and we could probably move on after this. But like, I think I do agree that I think he likes basketball, and I think he likes to play, and I think he likes playing with these guys. I think he likes KD. I think he likes Harden. I think he likes being around these guys. I think he likes playing. I think he likes being on a great team that can win a championship. I think he likes those things. Clearly, those things don't mean enough to him that he could put something as simple as getting a, a, a getting a shot above that or uh, you know he he doesn't so when we say do you think i don't want to do this stuff it's like a i don't know it's kind of like a insulting i don't say insulting because this is all basketball but it's just like it's like a condescending question because it's like you in order to do those things what you, you can do those things nobody's stopping you from doing any of those things you're talking about so when you say do i really want to yeah i don't think you want to because <laughs> In order to do these things, there's a very small thing that's in your way, and you won't even, you won't even adequately and cohesively, uh, coherently rather, say why you're not going to do it. We still don't know. He did this IG live. I haven't heard one person say why he hasn't gotten this shot, and everybody's tweeting about it. And maybe again, in fairness, you know, maybe some, maybe he will. And again, this is still happening. Or maybe, um, you know, or, or maybe uh, he's he will say it, you know, after this podcast is over. I don't know. But as of right now, everything I've seen people quoting from him from this IG Live, I didn't think one thing saying why I did not get this shot. Well, like, yeah, that's what I said at the jump. You know, he doesn't speak. He doesn't. He very rarely speaks directly on things. He dances around uh, those those topics. Do you think he's trying uh, to get traded? I think I I, I kind of wonder if he's trying to get traded because he 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 didn't even go out there even say why he's getting the shot. He went out there to clarify I'm not retiring. Right, and that's why I say that that that's why I make it clear that I think after I feel a lot more confidently after this uh, Instagram live situation that teams around the league have to be having internal discussions about what's the what's the what's the price because again. If I I didn't think that was feasible last week because Nick Wright told me that he was going to retire if he got traded. Well, he said that his representatives were telling people that he was going to retire right. if uh, he got traded. So, I, you know, and knowing Kyrie, it sounded reasonable. It sounded believable. So, uh, he said, but if you tell me he's not, and if he's telling me he's not. Then there then there are teams that have to have to consider it. Yeah, yeah. If he if he's putting that out there, I'm not retiring. Then, I mean, buyer now beware. Talk about but I mean, but there are teams that may be all right. Well, if he ain't retiring, you know, he takes us. us to another level. Maybe we're ready to take that chance. And again, um, when we talk about value, he is so much more valuable to every other team. Ninety-five percent of league right. than he is to the Brooklyn Nets. Right. So there may be a team that says those teams have the leverage. There may be a team that says, "Look, I don't have to give up." everything or what the normal price would be for Kyrie. I just have to give them something that can help them. And I can get back potentially a guy who may be my best player from day one. Like that, that that's going to be enticing for certain franchises. I don't think it's any, I don't think any franchise that feels stable would make that move or maybe you do feel stable and that's why you do make the move. But, and I don't feel any franchise that feels like they can win a championship right now as presently constituted probably shouldn't make that move. But if you feel like you don't, 
Yeah. And you can if you get them, then you have to consider it. Also, I wouldn't make the move if I can't compete for a championship. Yeah. If Wrapping a bow on – yeah, I hear you. Wrapping a bow on Kyrie, just getting his quotes out there. Um, tonight he said, I'm standing with all those that believe what is right. Everybody's entitled to do what they feel is best for themselves. Seeing the way this is dividing our world up, it's sad to see. People are losing jobs to mandates. Stefan Marbury said Muhammad Ali would be proud. <laughs> the, and then the first the first reaction was people posting Muhammad Ali and vac- get vaccine commercials in like the 80s. Mm. Mm. Talking about kids have to get shots to go, mm. go to school for the measles and the mumps. And pictures of Muhammad Ali getting shots himself. So, I don't know. <laughs> You know, just things to consider. I'm just, I'm just, honestly, I'm just, this thing. I also don't like people just... talking for, uh, I, 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 I don't like people talking for people that aren't around saying what they would and would not be proud of, especially something so controversial like this. Definitely. Definitely. I, do we really yeah. know how he would feel? I don't know. I mean, two maybe snaps, two snaps on that. Yeah. Um, it's like, we don't really know. So why are we speculating? Everybody, everybody can tell do what they feel is best for themselves. I'm sorry. This is just this is just garbage. I'm sorry. This is just it's hard for me to even like stomach li- reading these quotes because every there's so many things you just can't do for yourself that you just have a choice. Like some things you just can't. Like you can't drive around without a seatbelt. Like they're gonna tell you drive a seatbelt or you get a ticket. You can't say well this is best for me. Like this whole thing is this agenda is so nonsense and it's funny because one of the quotes he had was I'm not going to be used as some tool to further this agenda, even though the agenda he's been forwarding has been right-wingers, basically, who've been out here supporting him. Um, uh, I saw someone else say, uh, uh, when you, you know, Chance, Chance the Rapper, Knife Wonder, and Stefan Marbury are dropping emojis in Kyrie's IG Live. Comments is a nasty combination. <laughs> um, I will co-sign that statement. Uh, it's sad to see, man. Sad to see this guy's too. He's too great a talent. Um, he I, and I think again. I think he has a good heart, and I've I've defended him on a lot of issues on this podcast. And I just think he's he's taking a righteous stance on something that's just ridiculous. And sometimes people act ridiculous, but it's it's unfortunate that this seems to kind of happen constantly with him. Last words I give to Kyrie. He said on IG tonight. I chose to be unvaccinated. That was my choice. And I ask for y'all to respect my choice. Um, I don't respect your choice, Kyrie. I'm sorry. You can do it, but I don't respect it. Because you're putting other people at risk. And you're turning your back on your team. So, sorry. That's just how I feel. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about Ben Simmons. Again, what about face this was? So, Ben Simmons, he had been steadfast in his refusal to return to Philadelphia until he was traded somewhere else. He was not going to report to training camp. He was not going to report for the regular season. He was willing to miss game checks, was what we heard through sources from his camp, until the Sixers found a suitable trade partner. We started to hear that that stance was starting to look shaky last week when those that first check 
was missed. And all of a sudden, you heard Rich Paul was calling league offices and calling the players union and said, wait a minute, we can recoup this money, right? And they were like, no, you didn't show up for work. What do you mean you can't recoup the money? Um, and that's when I knew already, okay, the legs are getting weak here. You know, this he's starting to look like Deontay Wilder in you know, round 10. This is, this, I don't <laughs> think this is going to go much longer. Shout out to Deontay Wilder, by the way. A hell, a hell of a performance, a courageous performance against um, – Tyson Fury and a big shout out to the Gypsy King for putting on a classic uh, boxing match in their trilogy on Saturday night. Um, I know a lot to cover today, but definitely want to give respect to those men. But yeah, I, I knew that I knew that he wasn't looking good in terms of being steadfast and not ever going back to Philadelphia. So then we got word earlier in the week that Ben's camp was starting to have discussions with Philly about what a return to work would look like. So then we knew definitely that, okay, he, he definitely is not trying to miss any of them checks no more. And yesterday, we were recording this podcast on uh, Wednesday. This was Tuesday. The Sixers are playing in a game, preseason game, against the Nets. And Ben Simmons just showed up to the arena. <laughs> so it took everybody by surprise. Apparently, the, the front office was t- in talks with Rich Paul earlier that day about trying to formulate a plan and figure out you know what, it would, what it's going to look like for Ben Simmons to show up. Back, show up back to the facility and report to the team. And he reported to the team yesterday during the game. He's trying to figure out where he can get a COVID test to begin the process of fully being ingratiated back with the Sixers. So this, Kendall, is a, is a big um, it's a big about face for Simmons. And it's like I tweeted earlier this week. I just felt like this to me is this felt like watching the, the Bengals and the Packers continue to miss game-winning field goals over and over again on Sunday, watching Ben Simmons versus the Philadelphia 76ers. Because both of these sides have misplayed this so badly. They got to a point now where I think nobody's really happy. Like He don't want to be there. They don't really want him there. But now they got no choice to have him there because nobody wants to take him. And they're not going to take him for, they're not going to give him away for nothing. And they're still trying to win a championship. The fans don't want him there. He's going to just be annihilated with booze and probably other worse things. And I hope the Philly fans don't go across the line and they're right now disdain for Ben Simmons, but it's going to be ugly whenever he actually steps on the floor for the Philadelphia 76ers. And now I know everybody's miserable and I'm looking at this and I'm just like, man, you guys all fumbled this bag. Ben Simmons fumbled the bag. Rich Paul fumbled the bag. Daryl Morey fumbled the bag. Doc Rivers fumbled the bag. And yes, Yes, I'm including Joel Embiid fumbled the bag. Ben Simmons embarrassed himself the way he played in the conference semifinals against the Atlanta Hawks, Kendall. Once you saw we can't win with this guy, which everyone saw, the, 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 I know the emotions of the game are raw and you're frustrated, but the, you, you got you to be more clear-headed. And you're Doc Rivers. You've been coaching the NBA for a long time. You know how the NBA is. You got to figure out, okay, we can't continue with this guy no more. But we need to be sure we can get rid of him in a way in that, you know, we don't burn bridges and that we find a way to get something good for him. So, no, we're not going to bury him in the right after the press, in the press conference. We're not going to leak stories to, so, to, to every outlet saying that the guy ain't got no work ethic. So let's be clear, EJ. We have to – it starts – that situation starts at the top because from the top down, because 
while you're right that Doc Rivers is a vet, and he was the one that most outwardly blasted Ben Simmons, Daryl Morey, we know, is one of the smartest executives in all sports. Yep. He should have been prepared for in the event that we lose this game because of Ben Simmons. If you know anything about Philadelphia, they're going to You, you know, if they lost that game, he had to go. Yeah, he had to go. Right. That, then, like, if, if they that, lost the game, it's probably because he didn't show up, so therefore he was right. going to have to go. Right. You know, he, he felt the temperature of the city. It was obvious. We're going to be asked questions by the Philadelphia media about what is Simmons' future if we lose this game. You don't want to think that you're going to lose this game, but you have to be prepared for the situation. And you have to make it clear to Doc Rivers, and possibly you can't really maybe force it and be what to say, but particularly Doc Rivers, you have to make it clear how are you going to go about it. Whether that means, if that means we're going to throw him under the bus, then throw him under the bus. But you just know that that strategy was going to, was going to backfire. But you have to be, you have to, if you're telling me that Doc Rivers wasn't prepared for that situation and that he was just off the cuff, was given an emotional response. Yeah. Yeah, which is what it looks like, what it seemed. That was my guess. It did look, that was what it looked like. Then, then I'm the first guy I look to is Daryl Moore and say, you got to have your. Yeah, him and the media relations, the media relations team, they all got to be on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, that, you know, that's that's cuz that that situation with Simmons was a borderline crisis. You have to yes. be ready. And we it was a crisis that we it was a train wreck we saw from a mile away. It wasn't like, you know, he It was like a, it was a slow motion train wreck. Like we all right. saw it. It was as slow as Ben Simmons going to the basket right. and passing it off to Tobias Harris in the corner or Dybul, whoever he threw it to when he could It wasn't just a situation it. where we're talking about a guy who's been playing great and then just had one, just had the worst. He was game struggling that whole series where he shot like over yeah. twenty, and you couldn't, you couldn't explain right. how bad. He it wasn't, it wasn't a John Stark game seven. Right, he one bad played, game. He right. played that bad in every game, and it just got progressively worse. You should have saw that that was a possibility, and that if that did happen, you gotta be ready to stand behind him, even if that, even if it's all a farce. Right. But the organization clearly, and I will say this: I'm not a Sixers fan. I don't, obviously, I don't pretend no. to, 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 to root for this organization. But since Daryl Morey has gotten there, I've, I've seen, it feels like there's a bit of unorganization, disorganization. Yeah, I agree. The way that that ship has been ran. And it's not to say that they ha- they've made moves that have been flimsy, but I just think the way it's been operated doesn't feel like there's a lot. And I think Houston had, when Morey was in Houston, I think there was much more of a, a tighter ship, things seemed a lot more strategic in how well, they I think moved. before Fatida came involved, I think that Maury had more free reign. So I think he kind of had a, 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 stir, a sterner grip on the organization. Remember, right. when he came to this team, you still had Elton Brand in the fold. Doc, Doc Rivers was coming Doc. in with a, very, a lot of cachet as a head coach. Yeah, and, he and then Harris, as the owner, is he's not like a guy who's just, I'm not following basketball. I mean, he's involved. You know, he was yeah. with he was in these summer meetings when Rich Paul was saying Ben don't want to talk to y'all, he wants out. Yeah. So it was, I think it was a little bit of a different environment than what he had pre Fatida in Houston, where he was he was running the show. Right. But I yeah, I agree. So- I, I do get the feeling it started to me with the the James Harden trade negotiations. It, it felt like a chaotic. Right. That felt chaotic. Yeah. Getting acquiring Harden from the Rockets should have been easy. Especially right. when we learned that the owner had no issue with Harden going to Philly. So right. the fact that that was chaotic 
kind of told me a lot about how things are going over there. And somehow he ended up there. And so when we see the way this fiasco has gone this week and this these last two, three weeks, it's only cemented that feeling that things are a mess over there. Mm-hmm. That this is, this is, I mean, let's, and I'll let you continue on the, yeah. on the whole Doc Rivers thing because you were, you were getting into it. Yeah, I mean, they Doc Rivers, these guys fumbled the bag from the beginning. As soon as that game ends, you can't you can't bury the guy. You know you're yeah. gonna need to get good trade value for him. You know you're gonna need to have him, you know, seem to be invested, still be part of the team, and not become a malcontent and not put you in a bad position. So burying him immediately after basically immediately, and I remember it wasn't just after that game. They're leaking stuff to the media in the days afterward. They're talking about a guy ain't got no work ethic, he don't wanna work on his jump shot. He he don't he don't he's soft. I mean they were saying they were talking crazy about him. Yeah. And so that was a, a poor move. I don't know what, why they were doing. I, I think they were frustrated. I think they were angry and frustrated. I think they thought they should have won a championship and they were taking it out on this guy. I understand being frustrated with him. I'm going to get to Ben Simmons in a second. But you fumbled the bag, Philly. You fumbled the bag. And then from Ben Simmons' camp, Ben Simmons fumbling the bag. Because at the end of the day, you can't, <laughs> this isn't the NFL. You can't, hold out holding out really you don't have any leverage when you hold out in the nfl players hold out because they want more money because either the contract's coming up or they have a bad contract and they want to rip it up and renegotiate so you hold out and yes you lose money by missing practices and potentially even missing preseason games and sometimes even regular season games with the hope that either that team will sign you to a bigger contract rip up your old contract and probably actually give you money to make up for the money you lost during those fines that you, in the games that you missed. Um, so you don't got to worry about it. So you're saying, basically, that's why they call it a holdout. It's can you hold out long enough for the team can say, all right, we'll give you your money. All right, we'll trade you somewhere else where they will, they will give you your money. And, and the NBA, people don't hold out because the NBA doesn't work that way. Like, it was, very, it was a very foolish strategy by Ben Simmons in the Clutch Sports camp to decide that once Philly tanked his value, say, no, no, don't even show up. We're going to force them to trade you to some place and get pennies on the dollar. That was yeah. dumb because Ben Simmons clearly wasn't about that life. He wasn't about, I'm going to miss checks just to be traded because there's no upside to missing checks. It doesn't make any sense. There's no upside. Yeah. The, the only upside is that you're so distraught and so upset about being in a place that you not showing up will make them trade you. But once Philly made it clear, we're not going to just not trade you because you don't show up. Then the game of chicken ends. But instead, Ben Simmons is t- telling these guys, don't show up to the crib. You know, ben, uh, and Embiid and Tobias and all them, all them cats, they wanted to show up to the crib, try to piece it up with him. He's like, don't show up to the crib. I mean, he's he's doing he's going scorched earth in a, in a way that was just didn't make sense because there was no way, he had no leverage to force their hand. He's un- signed for four years, Kendall. There's not more money at the end of this. There's, not, you know, there's not, there's nothing at the end of this. The only thing that's no. at the end of this is another team, another city. So, right, doing it and out he, in the NBA was just ridiculous. And he's not. Let's, let's be frank. Not only is he not good enough, but the Sixers are too good of a team that, yes, if they have aspirations on winning a championship, right, and holds out, right, they would, they would not win a championship. But if Daryl Morey was being petty. And he said, we're not going to trade Ben Simmons until February. 
he could do that, and they would still be a playoff team. Right. And they they could trade him in February. He'll get something back and say, we'll have a guy for the stretch run while Simmons has lost half his salary. You know, lost $15 million or whatever that would, that would end up being. Like, why? Like, where's your Simmons? I mean, and and honestly, if I was Daryl Morey, that's what I would have done. If if I would have said, I'm not trading him anytime soon. It was no right. Maybe it wouldn't have been February, but it would have been. I think, I the, only, I think the only reason why they probably didn't weren't more steadfast in saying we're not trading him anytime soon until we get a good offer is because I think they realized they realized the most likely scenario was Simmons starting for them on opening night. They so once once they knew that, it didn't make sense to, to be like we're gonna trade him, but it ain't anytime soon because you, you actually need him to get on the team and play decent and not be. A complete That's cancer. Why, why he's there? Saw, so when you do trade him, your team is not in such a bad position. They were all oh, your your fifth and sixth in the standings, and you're struggling. Yeah. You know, they want to still they want to win a championship. You know, this is a I, I, crazy way to start the season, but they they still have those aspirations. I, I think you 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 you're onto something. Where I feel like there's there was a shift that happened about a couple weeks ago when when Doc Rivers we talked about it when he was on, going on TV and saying I want Ben back and I never blasted yeah. him and. People took my words out of context. I mean, yeah, he was cap- capping like crazy. Yeah, yeah. We, he's going on uh, Morning Joe and, and <laughs> you know talking about the Simmons, and I'm like, this is, what is he, what is Rivers doing? But they, clearly, there was a shift where I think the Sixers, where either they were told by somebody or for whatever reason internally they knew Simmons is going to be back, and so we got. I to, think I think Maury saw. Or there's offers. a good chance that we yeah. have to. Extend the olive branch to say. I think it was simple, Kendall. I think Maury saw those offers and said, Ben Simmons is going to be starting on opening night. Yeah, we're not going to trade for him. And the thing is, and that that was the other miscalculation by Maury and his staff, too. Why would anybody give you a lot for Ben Simmons after how we just saw him play? You're right. If anything, you want him to. Now, I know it's regular season, there still will be those question marks. If anything, you prefer, if you can't can't trade him in the offseason, if he plays so bad in the postseason. That there's just nothing good for him. You're still getting bad offers. You hope that he comes in. Maybe he figures out a jump shot. Unlikely, but maybe he figures out a jump shot, and he comes out the first, you know, through first few weeks, first few months of the season, and is angry at all the people that were mad about how he played and plays great, and then his value is skyrocketed, and then you could trade him. Like it was also foolish to think that oh, I'm gonna get this king's ransom for a guy who scored like four points in a must-win game. It scored no points in the fourth quarter and is passing up layups. Why would you think you're getting a King's Ransom for that player? Yeah, that, that to me, even that concept didn't make any sense. Particularly a guy that you guys have publicly. Uh, yeah, and then after you bash him, then now it's just ridiculous. But even, you know, even like, if none of that happened, Kendall, yeah. we just saw Ben Simmons fall apart in the postseason. Why do you think that seeing that performance, say, I'm going to get a King's Ransom? When we see these guys, Kendall, get King's Ransom for these players. Now, James, what I will Hard- say, James Harden, these other guys, these guys are are balling. These guys are, are are big time players. We're not talking about guys who can't score in the fourth quarter. Now, what I'll say is that I think that I agree, but I think that they're foolish in thinking that they're gonna they're ever gonna get a King Grant for this guy. I agree. Um, yeah, I don't think that no, I don't think the offers that they've seen this offseason are gonna get that much different than the offers that they will get. Come February, unless you have a, des- a desperate team that maybe somebody gets hurt, or totally a team maybe is outperforming expectations, and they say to themselves, "We got to be aggressive." I don't know, or a team that's underperforming, they say we have to be aggressive to 
you know, be buyers at on, at, at the deadline. But other than that, I, I don't, and, you know, and here's if why, a team like Sacramento was willing yeah. to trade Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley before, I don't think it's going to get, they're not all of a sudden going to say we'll trade three hundred and Fox. Yeah. You know, like, or yeah, Tyrese Halliburton or, um, Minnesota, if they're willing to trade D'Angelo Russell or Malik Beasley or Jay McDaniels, they're all of a sudden going to say, we'll give you Anthony Edwards for this guy. Right. You're, those those deals aren't going to get any better. I think probably, honestly, I think they're they're also holding out for those guys like Beal and Lillard. That's what uh, um, I think I think his Jake, name is Jake Fisher from a Bleach Report. Yes. That's, and he wrote a very good article I wrote right, I read right before we did this pod. That's basically what he said, that you know their yeah. hope is that, that Beal and Lillard, I think their hope was that those guys would demand a trade this offseason. Right, and that when those guys demanded a trade, Benson would be right there for them to be for the taking, and maybe that's why they were so cocky um, in bashing him because maybe they thought, I mean, Ben Simmons is definitely going to be the best player available for any of those guys. I don't know if that was a even that was a safe bet, but that maybe that was yeah, no, yeah, not for Lillard for for Beal probably right. So so once that didn't happen, then they kind of they kind of again they as I said they fumbled the bag, (laughs) then then they kind of went into scramble mode. Um, and you're right that, that, you know, the Kings right now, according to Fisher, they're not willing to give up Fox and Halliburton, um, and the deal, the Spurs right now, they're not enticed, uh, the season are not enticed by, you know, Lonnie Walker and Deontay Murray, but these are the offers they're getting. And the, re- <laughs> and the reason why <laughs> you're laughing, that's what the article said. Shout out Jake Fisher, man. But, uh, the reason why also too, is like, I, I said it a bunch of times about Ben Simmons. He's such a unique player that. Like, you can't just drop him on your roster, and then you're just a great team. Like, like you know, Joel Embiid said it in his very candid, you know, comments a couple of days ago. That, you know, the team has to be built in a certain way to mask his deficiencies, but also accentuate his strengths. So, whenever you go inside one of a 6'10 point guard, that's that changes the kind of the whole... And then he, and then he can't shoot. Like, don't expect him to shoot anything outside, you know, the paint, basically. He's still a special player. We all know Ben Simmons. I saw Ben Simmons. He was, he was my pick for defensive player of the year. Um, I think he's an excellent floor general. I mean, I, I think he's a great point guard, you know, outside the fact that he can't shoot. But because of those things, you got to match your whole team around him. It's got to be fit perfectly to make him work. And if it works, it, it could work great. And in, in Philly, it has. They've been a great team. But – no team is just built like Philly or built like someone that's going to be perfect to just drop Simmons in and everything works out. You know, I, I don't think a lot well. of teams see it and say, okay, I'll just put my power forward and we'll figure it out. You can't do that with this guy. So, I, no, nobody's going to just give up the farm and then be stuck with a bunch of no-names and Ben Simmons say, oh, well, we'll be okay because we got Ben. It's like, no, if you don't got enough shooters, you don't got a dominant big man, you're going to have problems because he, he, he has good strength, but he has a lot of weaknesses. I saw Vincent Goodwill. From Yahoo Sports put it great when he was talking about defining what Simmons is in the NBA in terms of his value. And he said Simmons can be a very good number one. He could be a very good number three. He can't be your number two. Because if he's your number one, then that means everything's built around him. You may not be able to win a championship, but you're not gonna be upset with what he provides your team. Mm-hmm. Uh and if he's a number, if he's a number three, that means you're never banking on his offense. You're not banking on him giving. You're only he's, he's you're exactly he's, not banking he's on almost his gravy, offense. right? Yeah, it's almost like Draymond, where right. you know whatever he gives you offensively is great. He's gonna be a great defensive player, great playmaker. The scoring right. is not. You're not relying on that night in night out, right? If he's your right. number two, 
now you are relying on him for that scoring punch, but the team is not Probably built, not built around, him. around him. Exactly. His skill set. Shout out to Vincent Goodwell. He's a good dude and uh, extremely well set. I agree with that 100%. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think that's that's the best way you can put it. I don't even know if we should continue more. Um, shout out to Vince. Um, we'll see what happens with Ben Simmons thing. This is crazy. I can't believe he's going to play for this team. Um, uh, Philly, It'll happen. Yeah. Philly. He's going to get booed like crazy. He, he's going to get booed. I have no problem with them booing him. Be respect, oh, yeah. Be as respectful as you can, Philly. Um, I don't know how much I like the Philly city. You know, I know you have affinity for the city. We, you know, our, our family home is not based, not that far from Philadelphia. You know, the guy is acting like a clown. So I understand your frustration if you want to boom, but let's just keep it respectful as respectful as you can. We know Philly sometimes can get, uh, can get very ugly. And I, I think that honestly, I think that's a large part of it. I don't think he wants to see those people. I think he knows when he see those people, you know, they, they're going to want to smoke like they Yeah. Philly does not mess around. And it's a tough place to play in any any sport, football, especially football. But football, baseball, ask uh, um, uh, ask all the, the, the players. Uh, why? Who am I thinking about? That was a, a Philly that didn't want to play for them. That that then was it Scott? No, Scott Rowland did play for them. I forgot. Yeah. No, maybe it was Scott Rowland. Who like who, he was a draft pick. He didn't go there, and every time he went to Philly, they booed him like crazy. Like it was like this guy never even played for them, and they, and they still booed. They booed him like into his fifteenth right. year in the league. And it's like, base, it, like it's baseball where like the draft isn't even that important, right? Yeah, but you know what? This guy was a, a first round pick, and he didn't want to play for us. We're gonna kill him every time he comes to the stadium. Like Philly is rough, and I don't think he wanted to deal with that kind of roughness. I think Ben is a is a good dude. I think he's a great player. Um, I don't think of him as that kind of guy that wants to face that kind of just that. I dealt with that. Uh, I dealt with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you we can we got. You've been on those those, those uh, uh you've been at the link on those sidelines when things aren't going well, you know what it's like. It's, it's rough. So imagine when, if they actually got a real reason to go after you, it's gonna be it's gonna be ugly. I, I hope I pray for Ben Simmons. I really do honestly because that I think it's gonna be bad. And I hope that the Philly people again stay as respectful as they can. Um, let's go about the John John Gruden thing, Kendall. So John Gruden's out as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. It came after last week. First, first, firstly after last week when. There was an email the Wall Street Journal got a hold of where he was uh, making these extremely disparaging racist remarks about uh, Damari Smith referring to the side of his lips. And in his, you know, in some kind of email, apparently he was upset about the uh, lockout and, and, and how that was going. Damari Smith, of course, is the executive director of the NFL Players Association. And um, again, he made those remarks in, in emails that were. Uh, uncovered in this NFL investigation into the toxic workplace culture of the Washington football team under Dan Snyder. And John Gruden at this time, this was, I think, 2011, this email came out, or he sent this email, um, was working at a time for ESPN. So, you know, Gruden really kind of brushed these his emails to the side, said he didn't remember it, said he ain't a racist, and kind of just said he wanted to move on. Um, then we came to Monday, and the New York Times got a hand on a lot more emails, and there was a lot more nastiness from John Gruden. Um, the use of homophobic slurs to talk about Robert Goodell, um, the, the kind of really disparaging uh, ways in talking about the drafting of the first openly gay you know, draft pick, Michael Sam, by the St. Louis 
uh, Cardinals, St. Louis Rams, I'm sorry, uh, but when they were in St. Louis at that time, saying that, you know, Jeff Fisher, then coach, shouldn't have been uh, pressured to, 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 quote, draft queers. Um, he spoke about Eric Reed during those uh, protests, saying that Eric Reed should have been fired from the, from the NFL for taking part in these protests and organizing the, 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 the kneeling uh, during the national anthem. Uh, he, he, he was opposed to the, you know, the NFL's uh, safety rules. He was opposed to the NFL bringing in women uh, women um, uh, uh, referees. Uh, he was sending him and Bruce Allen, who was the president of the Washington football team at the time. These guys had a relationship back when they were both in, I believe, Oakland and in uh, Tampa. Sending topless photos of women to each other during these emails, uh, exchanging you know, photos of the Washington football team cheerleaders. Just uh, extremely disturbing stuff. There was no way this dude could survive once that second trove of revealed emails came about. And he was uh, he, he he was out. Again, I keep saying out because he can't say he was fired because he, he, he was not technically fired. Um, the report by Schefter was, you know, after the second you know, report came out, or maybe right before the second report came out, actually, uh, you know, Mark Davis made a beeline to the radio facility. You know, asked to see John. Those guys had a heart-to-heart. And John made it clear that it was best for him to move on. He made a statement. Statement was kind of trash, to be honest. It was just, uh, I don't want to be a distraction. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt anybody. He moved on. Uh, Mark Davis continued to kind of not say much about the situation regarding this. Uh, Mark Davis being the owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, the son of the late Al Davis. Um I mean, Kendall, I mean, it's not really what one more can really can you say that's been that's already been said about this, but this has obviously been highly disturbing. Uh, it's crazy to see such a beloved and someone used the word iconic, and I agree. I think John Gruden is an iconic NFL figure, a football figure. When you consider his time as a head coach, I mean, I mean you, could, you know, people have for years argued, oh, is he even that great a head coach? And that's definitely arguable, but. There's no question the guy was a character as a head coach in the NFL, especially during his first go-around before he went into the TV booth. You know, of course, you know, it was kind of ironic that he was let go on the same night that, or the same week that, uh, you know, USA Network was uh, was returning, was uh, launching their series Chucky, um, which, of course, John Gruden was was called Chucky for all those years because of his um, the likeness to him and in the, in the, in the doll from the horror movies. Uh it's it's just uh it's obviously really sad you know um this is the only way this could have ended once you kind of saw the Demari Smith thing it was very sad that you know there was no action when the Demari Smith emails came out and the Raiders seemed you know totally fine with just saying we're gonna just move forward and and we'll be okay and it seemed like they were getting enough backing from certain people in the media and everybody to kind of just let that thing slide um it came once the the, the additional emails came out where there was even more uh, disturbing things involving obviously the LGBTQ community, and, and then again, I think you know racist things about you know you know to say you know a guy like Eric Reed should be fired says a lot to me um, in regards to his views on race and things like that. It's a, uh, I think what's what's clear to me, Kendall, is is the whole thing about the Gruden thing is to see we the, it, you know what he did. Not not surprising to me, honestly. Um, I think that if you're in certain, if you've been linked to any kind of sports cultures at times, especially when it comes to being in coaching staffs and locker rooms and things like that, 
you're going to see some really and hear some really unscrupulous and uh, disturbing things. Maybe the, the depth of it maybe was a little disturbing, considering he worked in a, you know, a kind of a corporate setting in ESPN for so long. Like, you know, it's like you think maybe at that point he would tone down this kind of, you know, uh, you know, Neanderthal like behavior. But, you know, I guess Tiger can't change their stripes. But I think what almost was even hurt, more hurtful for me. Well, there's two things that was more hurtful than what's being talked about. One was, I think, the lack of contrition. Because I think the apologies are so bad from this guy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the, I don't have a racist bone in my body. I mean, just, just like, nonsense things. <laughs> like, that's just, like, the, the, the just a go-to for just anybody who think they end up some kind of racism. There's no, there's no, because when I hear that, there's no self-reflection. There is no, oh, well, maybe I got to think about how I do things. Like, there's no, you look in what you did, and you don't think what you did was that bad. Because you don't think that uh, racism played any involvement or race had nothing to do with it. And you're not even trying to make any steps to improve there. But I think the second thing, when we talk about the Damari Smith email, and it was so funny because, you know, uh, my dad always talks about how, how, you know, shout out to Michael Smith from, um, uh, he's working on Peacock right now. Uh, He has a great show with Michael Holly. And my dad always talks about me and Michael Smith kind of, I remind him of him, which is kind of cool. Because Michael Smith is dope. But Michael Smith said something that I thought was really was the same thing I thought. Was that that lips comment, it's like, you know, go to racism, just like just clownish. It's almost like that kind of stuff. Like you're just like, man, you're whatever. Like, you're just a scumbag. I don't got nothing else really to think about. But I think what hurt me more in terms of just like seeing kind of his disposition, how he thought of Tamara Smith was calling him out of his name. And calling him dumb. Because one, uh, white folks calling black people out of their name when they have kind of like ethnic names or names that are unorthodox, very racist and not uncommon. And two, the immediate the, the immediate move to when you see something you don't like or something that you disagree with, to run to the black executive being dumb. That part of it is just something that I, I really it's hard for me to kind of sit with because that's something that we've seen in sports, something that we've seen in entertainment, something we've seen in politics, something we've seen in uh, pretty much all aspects of life when it comes to black people getting in any kind of position where they have a seat at the table. It's when you disagree, you run too well, they must not be educated on it. They might not, they must not understand or they're dumb. And, it's funny because he was killing Roger Goodell, Kendall. I mean, just saying the nastiest, most vulgar thing to say about Roger Goodell. But did he ever say he was dumb, Kendall? No. No, not once. Not once did you hear any of them emails that he say Roger Goodell was dumb. But he did say Demari Smith was dumb. He was upset at both of them for a lot of the same reasons in some instances. And that was a part to me that that I think that I think is kind of getting glossed over because we're looking at the obvious the obvious racist trope of the the lips and the size of his lips, but the 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 dumb aspect is the it's almost like the that's the underlying kind of like um what's the word dog whistle racism that actually I think is almost more damaging and more prevalent in and and more acceptable in our, in our kind of daily life. That so many of these people see these black men and, and black women and 
all people of color, really, but, you know, black people I'm talking about right now, um, in these positions, and, you know, we saw that with the, with the, with the president of the United States, Barack Obama, 44. Uh, you could agree or disagree with anything he did politically. I disagree with a lot of things he did politically, but that's not even the point. It's hard to really say anything about his intelligence. The guy's clearly an intelligent man. But how many of those years did you see people run to intelligence to try to undermine whatever they thought they didn't agree with politically? It was quite often. I think that probably was the 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 the, the that's probably the the median where we saw it most prevalent and most obvious. Because of course you had he was the president of the United States. He was the most important person in the country, the most powerful person in the country. And that's 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 the part that's uh, that's that's disturbing because John Gruden is a decision maker. You know, this is not someone who's just some guy behind a you know what egg emoji or an egg picture or egg or avatar in his Twitter account. He's not um, some guy with a you know a black and white uh, you know American flag in his Twitter avatar. This is a man who decides what players get hired and fired or you know cut and signed he decides who gets to be involved with the organization whether it be people who join his staff people who don't join his staff um and in his last job in las vegas i mean he's almost like the president of the team so he is saying who's in the front office who's not in the front office and he's looking at this this black man and i'm not even gonna talk about Demari smith's credentials the guy has obviously great credentials he's been through a great deal it's almost insulting to me to say oh what he's not dumb look what he's done i don't he don't he don't need that from me but despite that it didn't matter to john gruden what he what he did in his past the education he's done the law work he's done none of that mattered all that mattered was that that was a black man in a position of power that he disagreed with and he immediately went to he's dumb and those kind of tropes get put on black people in leadership positions in so many different times in this country, and it's continuing to be a detriment to progress and to the advancement of black people as a whole, because there's so many people that look at us and say, he's not smart enough to do this, or she's not smart enough to do this, and it just sucks. And it just really was a, it's not an eye-opener, I don't even say an eye-opener, because again, it wasn't surprising, but it just, it goes to show you when we talk about why aren't there enough NFL head coaches, why aren't there enough NFL general managers, why aren't there more people in the front office, why aren't there enough NFL owners? And you see someone who has so much influence in the league who thinks about black men like this. It says a great deal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you said a lot there. I mean, the Gruden thing is, uh, it's unfortunate. You know, it, it's, it, it's disappointing um, that it was so... Uh, you know, this is something that I, I, this feels like. I don't want to say it was an open secret because I, I don't think I don't think you know everyone around the league knew this, but um, this kind of conversation happening so openly uh, over email—that that's the part that bothers me the most about this, um, and that really throws this over the edge. This idea that you would be be so flippant and so brazen to communicate like this. Yeah. Through email. Like I couldn't even imagine. Couldn't imagine obviously couldn't even begin to imagine uh comporting myself in that way. But to then I can't imagine 
And and you know, EJ, sometimes it almost, it actually almost in some ways it takes more thought to type out. Oh yeah, it takes way more thought than even to you, say them. And you 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 know how you know sometimes you'll send you'll be in an email thread and you may say like you know maybe the initial email will be a little more formal, but as as the conversation goes on, you may feel like I don't have to put a you know header and a citation yeah. every every email. It could be a little more informal as, as it goes on, or if your relationship with somebody is a little better, but still. I I still would just be uncomfortable, you know, just 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 interacting like that. Um, now we know that, you know, Bruce Allen and John Gruden go a long way. We know that uh, Jim McVay, Sean McVay's uncle, and the Gruden family go a long way. So. They may have felt they may have felt like we're emailing with with family, but I still don't, you know, I still don't. I, I'm still still shocked to see the brazenness um, from John Gruden. And what's scary, what what's unfortunate uh, about this is that this was only uncovered through the idiocy and the. The toxicity yeah. of the and the incompetence of the Washington football team. Yep. And it feels like John Gruden getting caught this way feels like a baseball player in 2008 testing positive for steroids. Right. I, I hear you on that. Where you're like, I don't feel like he's the only guy who's taking steroids. I don't think everybody's taking steroids, but I think there are guys out there that are taking it. He just was the idiot that. Yeah, he got was, he's a, he's a rod, yeah. right? He's a rod. He's Manny Ramirez. He's Manny Ramirez. Yeah, he's, he's, he's Rafael. He's Rafael Palmero. Like, yeah, and that's that's the that's the scary part is that, you know, hopefully I'm wrong and hopefully that's not the case. But, um, you know that that that's the that's the assumption. And look, I mean, I think the, obviously the Raiders made the right decision. I don't jump on the Raiders as much as everyone else about him coaching that game. Um, they wouldn't have won the game anyway. Um, it was not a good look to have him coach this game, but honestly, it was, you know, they could have they could have sat him down, but everything was moving so fast. Um, and the thing came out Friday night. They I don't know if they had access to emails, the other emails, at that point. That seems to be unclear. I feel like I some people are saying they, they did. Some people are saying they didn't. Like, it seems... <laughs> the way, the, seems the way things moved made it seem as if they didn't until Monday. Like, they got it Monday morning. Like, they, like or the NFL sent additional emails. Yeah. To the, I think the league had the, everything Friday. Yeah, the way I think I heard it from Shefty is it seemed like they sent him the Demora Smith thing. Right. And they were like, yo, you got to do something. And Mark Davis was like, nah, I'm good. And they were like, where are you not going to do anything? There's a lot of other emails out there. And Mark Davis was like, nah, I'm good. And they said, all right. And then <laughs> the Monday emails, sent the Monday emails. Hey, this is other stuff that's coming out. Are you sure you're not going to do anything? And that was when Mark Davis said, okay, I guess I'm going to do something then. Um. I, I give them a little more. He, I know some people have been willing to say that, no, praise them for acting once the second. I, I just think the Demora Smith thing was so egregious. Uh, you know, this is a man that represents the players. You know what I'm saying? This is this is not 
I'm not to say that it matters because being racist is terrible, but it's not just some other black dude. Like he he literally represents the players that are playing for John Gruden in that game. And almost out of respect for that, they should have said, "Hey, you know what? Let's just you need to sit down and let's let's just investigate this thing and figure something out before we get to the next week." I I don't think that that was too much to ask, uh, but. In this, but you know, unfortunately, these or corporations and these big organizations, their their thing is not about doing what's right. They're just about what's the best thing to do to survive the news cycle. And I think they kind of surveyed the land when the first John Gruden thing came out. And I'll be honest, the outrage was there, but it wasn't like vociferous. It wasn't if, this. Who's got to go it, tomorrow today? I'll, I'll go it wasn't. It wasn't. The, the energy just wasn't like that. If those second, if the second wave didn't come out, he wouldn't have gotten fired. No, no way. And, and so that you know, that's you know, take that for what it's worth. Right. Um, but I think that once you, once you saw that this was not an isolated incident, which they and, knew when they when they got the Demari Smith email, that's where I feel like okay, y'all just y'all really were like, I'm not gonna do anything until there's like. To the absolutely last moment. That's when I'm kind of like, man, y'all look suspect. Right. Um, I, you know, I think they, they once the situation arose that they felt like, um, just in the, from the public standpoint, that, they, that this was an isolated incident. The guy had to go. Um, I don't know if you don't really care about what is next for the, you know, people speculating who's the next coach. I mean, Whenever people try to speculate who a team's going to hire in week five, it's impossible. Those things aren't. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you gotta let the whole thing aren't determined. There are, you know, we don't even know who the good coordinators are right now. Yeah, I mean, we don't know if the dude that coaches now. I mean, it's very unlikely, but we don't. Know. I mean, maybe they they go on a crazy run. And they win ten, eleven games. They make the playoffs. And is he right. running? You know, you right. just don't know. I know yes. They promote the special teams coordinator. Yes, to, uh, Rich Bianca. Yeah. Sorry. Who's from Yonkers, by the way? So shout out to Yonkers. Yeah, shout man. out to, uh, you know, I hope I hope the locks uh, maybe get some kind of deal <laughs> with him. But uh, but you know, it's uh, you know, the whole thing just said. I think in terms of what's next for, do you agree that I don't think I think John Gruden is like basically excommunicated from like anything involving football on any uh, on any major I think, level? I don't think uh, football. I'll say the NFL. Um, I think we'll see him coaching at some point where uh probably at the probably at the college level um i cannot see him coaching kids after this that's why i couldn't say high school because that that would see that seems like a stretch it would have to be college um i i cannot, it, see, I, I cannot see him coaching college kids after this thing it would have to be the I was. I, I thought you were gonna say like maybe he's coaching like the XFL or something. Like that's honestly like. I don't think a corporation could hire him at this stage, but I think that. But institu- school institutions are you know they're the they're the they're the you know like the lifeblood of like the activist movement. Like I I just can't imagine you could bring John well, onto a college <laughs> campus. So let me be clear. Um, first of all, I I wouldn't hire him, but I understand that. Yes, uh, we all. Understand. Let me also be clear. In saying that, I don't think he. I don't think he should be. I think hired. most. I think most places won't hire. Right. But as we know, it only takes one. It only takes one. There are, and there are a couple. 
couple of schools, couple of ADs, couple of university presidents that are brazen enough that there are a couple of places that we know that would support. Yeah, just they, or at the very least, just won't be all that offended by anything John Gruden said. Places trying to hire Art Bryles. Um, yeah, you know, this was this is far more public, but I think I think it's like far more easy to like digest. Like I feel like the Art Bryles thing is always like, like whenever he pops up, it's always like we have to remind people and explain why through. Art Bryles is not someone who should be around kids. Right. Like it's not like easy. Like you right. gotta do it's it's not you you, you can like it's, it's a it's one of those things where you can't it's not just you search his name and you know everything, right? You, know, you gotta click through a couple of things, you gotta figure things out, right? You gotta know the history. John Gruden, I don't even think you gotta Google. You say, oh wait, that's the, that his name is infamous. Like he's like, oh that's that dude. Yeah, nah, we ain't touching him. I mean, the Rick Pitino thing really throws things off there, you know. Now I guess the only thing about the Rick Pitino thing was that. He wasn't. He wasn't offending anybody. He's a slimy dude, but he's not offending anybody, right? Like, like he's doing things that I think are unethical and immoral. But I mean, no one no no one outwardly thinks that he is a that he doesn't. He he has he has has hate in he has has hate in his heart for anybody. Right. He has an evil view of the world. Yeah. We just think that he's a slimy dude that do anything it takes to win basketball games. Right. And just he, I mean, he he comports his life in a way that right. And his personal life, <laughs> he, he is who he is. He's the trick, yeah. right? So, but again, we don't believe there's any hate for anybody. So it's it, it's different, you know. I'm not saying I told you I thought it was nuts that the guy got another job, but I don't. It's, it's different than John Gruden. Now I'm not gonna say that you're crazy for thinking that at all because we've seen anything's possible. I, it's not yet. Yeah, USA, the I land of, of second chances. But I'm just saying. I, yeah, and I just don't think highly of. I think lower of right. certain regions of the college football landscape. And I feel you. The depths that some of these and let, let's and let's be honest. This is why I feel most confident about this. First of all, we've seen this really. It's not. It is bizarre, but it's also not surprising. Uh, like campaign about this being, you know, him being canceled and whatnot. But also, this idea that. He was communicating with the president of the Washington football team, Bruce Allen, with the CEO of the Outback Bowl, Jim McVay, with the owner, founder, CEO of Hooters. Yep. Like. These are extremely powerful dudes. Extremely powerful dudes. Extremely rich. (laughs) Extremely rich. Yeah. You don't think that there are boosters in a certain region of the country and decision makers, power brokers in a certain region of the country that wouldn't echo with John John Gruden. So here's 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 why I here's why I still hold on that I think he's now money is money and you know PR and having yeah. to get past that. But if they can if they can they're willing to try it, they so don't care. They don't personally I'm, care. I'm sure there are people that will try to push him his candidacy to certain places. Here's why I still Maybe I'm I, I'm having a good heart. Maybe I'm being G Wiz EJ here, but I think to me the other hurdle is John's disposition. Now his disposition could change in three years, four years, eight years. It has and to, maybe yeah. he needs to have a job. But the but I have, why would I believe his disposition is going to change? 
He's a rich, he's been a rich, influential white man who has generational wealth that um, has been able to be who he wants to be for his whole life. I talked about lepers changing their, I said tigers changing their stripes, lepers changing their spots is the, is the uh, euphemism. Either one, pick one. Why this guy, and he's not young, you know, he was a young coach when he got into the league. He's a little older now. Why at older age do I believe he's going to do the steps that it takes to get to that point? Now, some people have, you know, Bob Knight was able to, so he can coach again in Texas Tech. But Bob Knight didn't even face this. Bob Knight faced some bad stuff, but it wasn't even this bad. Um, at least not on the record uh, that of us knowing what he was doing. So... John's disposition, everything we see from him, is I'm sorry if I offended people. I didn't I didn't mean to hurt anybody. I'm not a racist. Like, I just think that it's gonna take it's I mean it's gonna take open heart surgery when it comes to like repairing this guy's image. Like it's 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 like an impossible task. And there's gonna be some repair. There's some people where you can say, okay, the guy's just a bad dude, but some people are just gonna hire him. Um or the guy you know, cheats, like, you know, I don't want to accuse people. But, like, you know, like, Hugh Freeze's name comes up in college football circles. And, you know, he's been, you know, popped for his different things regarding how he ran Ole Miss. But the guy won. So, he's like, okay. Like, he don't really, he don't, there's not really much of a reclamation needed for him. He don't got really much to apologize really for. Especially now that a lot of this stuff in the pain play and stuff is legal. There, there was a situation that he had with, you know, uh... Something with, uh, <laughs> you know, his own personal life as well. That was also, it was controversial. It wasn't illegal as far as I know. Right. Not, it's still not, yeah, and it's still <laughs> it was, not. It was like Patino. It was Patino. Right, and it's still not an offense to people. Like. Right. Well, like, depends on, again, in that region of the country, it could be offensive for some people. But I see what you're saying. I see. That's fair. Um, <laughs> But to me. I just think this is a different game, man. Like this, like, like you got, like he has to be full throated in yo dog. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I hope y'all forgive me. Like, I can't believe I did that. Like, and I just, when has John Green ever been that guy? Yeah, no one's, he's but, not, he is not a humble dude. Humility has <laughs> never been, has never been a trait that I've associated so, with John Gruden. No one ever has. The, the Gruden thing. It's it's so funny because we ask we ask ourselves, did we see this coming? And the there were signs that we 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 blatantly ignored, blatantly. Cutting um, Marquette Marquette King, cutting Marquette King for you know you know one of the first notable black punters in the and NFL. The, and the report was that, that he didn't like you know King's personality. Yeah, nothing to do with his ability. This guy was like the best punter in the league, and. He got rid of him. Um, brought in Richie Incognito. Yep. After Incognito had been through, obviously had been through what he had been through in Miami, which was, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of crazy situations, obviously with Jonathan Martin. But then, even in recent years, was doing crazy stuff, and he gave him a second chance. And we hey, look, and I'll be honest, even I was overlooking this stuff. Like the, re- the incognito thing, I said to myself, you know what? A lot of teams have, have brought him in at this point. Right. I don't yeah. like it, but he's not the first one. You know what am I? What am I going to do about it? Like he must think that he can help him win, and that's 
not a great mindset, but I think that that's... A lot of coaches will sell their souls for wins. We, yeah, we know and that. so these things were overlooked. I mean, the eight, I sent you guys, I sent you and, and our brother Shamar, I sent you the Antonio Brown taped recording with John Gruden where that was a controversy when Antonio Brown's going through his helmet situation and right. trying to get out of Vegas and or Oakland at the time. And, you know, Gruden's disposition in that video always seemed kind of off to me, but I just took it as, well, look, this is Gruden look, behind a- AB's, like, AB's tough to deal with, and he's Wait, he AB's tough to deal with, and, like, this is a private conversation. Like, right. He yeah. he's, not, he's not talking to him like he's on national, like, he's even on hard knocks. Like, he knows, right. he's thinking that this is behind closed doors. Yeah. And, but, like, now you know. Like, yes, John Gruden behind closed doors is not, exactly the same as John Gruden on ESPN. And, like, that was our first hint that that was the case, but didn't take that as a red flag. Probably should have. Um, the last thing I want to say is the the common defense that we've seen from uh, certain people is that if... that why Why is John Gruden being fired for this? But the NFL allows X player with X, you know, mm-hmm. rap sheet to be allowed to play. Mm-hmm. To me, we can talk about what we want to talk about morally, and that's a conversation about, um, and we can have that conversation about individual players, about whether or not they should be playing. But, but I think that these people are being dishonest in, in, in if they think that that's equivalent. Um, yeah. And that, first of all, obviously, John Gruden being in a, a leadership position where exactly. he, I mean, he's running. He represents running, an organization. Especially that team. He's running, he's running the, the not, you know, Mark Davis claimed 51% of personnel <laughs> decision, right. whatever that means. But he, he had person, final say on roster control, staff, hirings. Yeah, he's, the, he's the face of the team. He's the face of the organization. He, he, might, he might be, the, if he's not the most... Highly paid guy, he's like one of the most highly paid guys in the franchise. Yeah, so like, yeah, so like it's him and Derek Carr. Yeah, and and like you said, he's more recognizable than Derek Carr. Now you could right. say there are other players. Like, look, Deshaun Watson, face of the Texans. Now I will say Deshaun Watson hasn't played in a game this year, so <laughs> right. people bring him up. I say, well, he's not playing. Yeah, he's uh, not out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they can't. I mean, they can't. They can cut him, I guess, but they, you know, they got to pay him. They did what I thought that the Raiders should do. It's like, yo, you need to just chill until we figure what. Out what's going on? Right, exactly. They're saying, "Look, we'll let this." Yeah, you know. Now, some will say, "Well, the NFL hasn't suspended him." Well, the NFL didn't suspend John Gruden either. They, no. were, you know. So, what are we talking about? He resigned. But also, I, I, I think overall, when we talk about you know Tyree Kill or we talk about Antonio Brown, again, these are conversations we can have. But I think if John Gruden, if we're just being honest. If John Gruden was as valuable of an asset to the Las Vegas Raiders as, say, Tyreek Hill, and if Tyreek Hill was as prominent of a figure and a face and as powerful of a figure for the Kansas City Chiefs as John Gruden is for the Las Vegas Raiders, then those situations would be different. It'd be different. Yeah, if, if Tyreek Hill was I, Patrick Mahomes, he wouldn't be playing quarterback. Probably not. Um, And... And I say that because George Sean Watts is not playing with the Texans. Like, yeah, he's not playing. You know, uh, like, you know, and and 
it's just it's 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 it's, it's a wild situation now. Again, I do I think that it, again I don't think that it's it's automatic where it's like, um, oh yeah, if a player does something like he sh- he doesn't have to be reprimanded or he doesn't have to be disciplined, but I think it's it, if these teams if Tyreek Hill plays every Sunday and fans watch, fans cheer, his teammates don't care, apparently, and the the team doesn't care. Whereas if John Gruden was coaching this upcoming week, there are guys on his team that wouldn't have played, I don't think. Um yeah, you know, Carl Nassib already took a day off. He already, he already, he already said, "I, I, I got, I got, I got to step yeah. away, step He's away." The first openly gay player to play in regular season games in the NFL. Uh, you, there are guys who may not have played in that game. Fans would have been disgusted at the idea that he was allowed to coach. Um, and it, 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 it's a much, and again, risk cost analysis, like. It's just not worth it for your organization. There are so many other guys who could do it. John, we talked, you talked about it before. I mean, solid coach, but nothing special. Has a Super Bowl. What's his record been since he won the Super Bowl? It's been under 500, I believe. Like, what? It, it, he, is, he is replaceable. Now, we can talk about whether or not that should matter. But it does. And I, and I just think, to me, you know, when we bring about Tyreek Hill, like, like, first of all, it's different because, one, you know, when the domestic incident that he had happened, he was kicked out of Oklahoma State. Um, they didn't keep. Well, him no, he team. had he had the incident with the with the Chiefs as well. No, I know. I'm I'm gonna get to that. Oh. But I'm saying the first one, <laughs> yeah. uh, he was he was kicked off the team, and yeah. he was he wasn't. It wasn't like they said, "Oh, nah, you're good. Just keep going." He 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 had to 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 lead the team. Um, the thing with the Chiefs with the child abuse. Uh, if I'm mistaken, those charges I believe were dropped, and I'm not at all saying that that means he was innocent or anything like that. But it's just very different when you talk about uh, incidents where there was penalties that he served. Like in another one, he pled guilty. He he did. Yeah, you could argue these were the right. You know, you know, he did like three years of probation. Looks like and did anger management. And again, we all talk about whether or not that was the right thing to do in that situation when you're charged with domestic assault and battery by regulation seems very disturbing that that's all you get. That's another story for another day. John Gruden ain't getting no criminal thing. He didn't break no laws, first of all. And second right. of all, uh, no situations, he 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 was he did a penalty. He, he was kicked off the team, and then now he had to re-ingratiate himself somewhere else to, in order to get another job. So this idea that John Gruden shouldn't face any penalty because other guys had stuff, those other guys had... They they also lost stuff. Those guys lost jobs. Those guys they faced some kind of penalty. That that people were acting like yeah, these people were acting like oh those guys are just running you know quote unquote scot free and they didn't do anything. They faced no adversity. They like, no those guys all faced adversity. They and all Tony had the, Brown lost a lot. Yeah, he, he lost all that playing. money. They got cut. Like <laughs> he was he was deactivated. He couldn't play. He, yeah, like it wasn't just oh they did nothing. These, these guys are back now. If you want to talk about your John Gruden, if he said oh they want to make his John Gruden should be a lot back. And they want to cite these guys. That's a different argument, and that even may be a fair point because it's crazy as some of these uh, cases are with guys like AB 
and with uh and, and with and, Tyree and Hill. Let's, let's, and let's have that conversation. John Gruden, no one. I never said John Gruden. A team can't hire John Gruden. They shouldn't be allowed to hire John Gruden. They they it's up to the, it's the team's right to hire him. I just thought they would be a good idea. I think that you know, <laughs> I, I, there you, are a lot of reasons why. If you had nightmare, it would not work from exactly. a team perspective. There's no like, there's no way guys. There's no upside. There's no way people in the organization would respect ownership. Like it would be a nightmare. So nobody would ever do it. This is why Oakland got rid of him. It's why he resigned because right. he couldn't do his job at, properly in this environment. So, yeah, look, I, I, nobody's setting the precedent that John Gruden should be behind bars for what he did. No, we're not setting that precedent. We're just saying I don't know if he should have a one hundred million dollars job where he's in the public eye and he has decisions over. Other people's finances. Yeah. And, These this are how he, and this is this is how he talks about them. This is how he thinks of them. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and that's just not a, then that's just not an unrealistic or crazy way. To but these it, but these conversations aren't happening. These people have these like gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, gotcha tweets. Yeah. Oh, but what about Warren Sapp? What what, what is Warren Sapp doing? <laughs> Warren, Warren Sapp is Warren Sapp. I follow Warren Sapp on Instagram. Warren Sapp is fishing ninety nine percent of the time. He's fishing. And he's tweeting about Miami football. Right. That's all he does. If you want to talk about a Ring of Honor, you know how many people. I, I, these people don't really care about the Buccaneers Ring of Honor. <laughs> of course not. They don't. They care. they just they just don't want to see. They just don't want to see a white man being quote unquote canceled for being non politically correct. Is is how these people like to say. It. That's what at the end of the day what this comes down to. Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so sad simple. because it's the 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 again the language and the 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 lack of decorum, it was it was it was grotesque, it, it was it was heinous. Right. Um, that's a, that's why this thing. That's why these people. Wanna... That's why these people tell themselves because it's like if you really could stand, I say I'm a stand for John Gruden after this stuff. You 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 got no you got no character to me. Like I just I don't know how I can really respect a person like that. No, this is not about politics. This is not about belief. This is like some basic yeah. level respect. Just being a respectable person. You really think that you want to? You're gonna stand your ground. You're gonna put your eggs in the John Gruden basket. It's after like this? it's like Derek. I mean, and I don't want to go into Derek Chauvin and George Floyd, but even with the with Derek Chauvin, that was controversial. But even someone like Donald Trump had to come out and say, "I, I don't. It doesn't look good. I, I don't." I don't respect <laughs> guys running doing the job like that. Like that's the response you need to have about the John Gruden thing. You know, it's like you can you can say what you want about cancel culture and whatnot, but like there should be a bar where your where your reaction doesn't just automatically I have to defend the the evil person. Or I have to defend the the person who's in the yeah. wrong just because he's getting canceled. Sometimes guys are just getting canceled because they they kind of need to be getting canceled. Right, and, and sometimes, and, and sometimes people have there are there are uh, consequences for people's actions. Like it's just, yes, it's a simple concept that you, you're taught as a five year old. This is not something that's brand new, and and, and you know it's just now people are going crazy because because the idea is these are are things that may have been acceptable at certain points in time that they don't want to be said. They don't want who they were years ago to hurt them now. But guess what? What's done in the dark will some uh, someday be illuminated in the light at some point, and maybe people should be careful about how they treat people, how they act, before uh, 
you know, just being and and, it's John, and the thing about John Gruden is this was not oh one email from 2011. The emails go up to 2018. It's not like oh this guy oh he you know he was pretty much right before he got hired by the by the by the Raiders. So this is not oh he was a he was a young and and uh you know un, he was he 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 was immature and he didn't know better. This is a, he was a, he was, a, he was an old man back then, and he, and he was doing this up until right before he got hired by the NFL. Speaking in this way, you know, Michael Sam was not that long ago. Like he's not, he's not talking about something from 15 years ago. Yeah. There's no, there's no excuse for this stuff. But I mean, again, these people, they're, they're bad faith actors. They're not, they're not real people. They're not, they're not real. They, they're not real. You know, they are real, but they're not real in terms of like just being able to reason with them in any, any, any way that makes any sense. Uh, we only got a couple more minutes, Kendall. I know we're going late right now, but uh, the Caleb Williams Spencer Rattler thing. It's pretty crazy. Rattler, by many accounts, a top QB prospect for the NFL, potentially uh, for this year's draft. Up and down kind of season. Not bad, but, you know, maybe not lighting the world on fire. Struggles early on in the Texas game. Biggest game of the year for OU, besides, you know, potential Big 12 championship game. Um, they're getting routed by Texas. They're, they're rivals from right across the border. And Lincoln Riley decides to go to his five-star freshman, Caleb Williams to get them a spark to chase these chase things up see how things go Williams goes and he lights it up uh he stays in for pretty much the rest of the game Rattler did complete a two-point conversion during this game but it was Caleb's show and he put on quite a show that included a comeback for OU in uh what many have said was maybe the best Red River game of all time which I will say is saying a lot that bar is super high but that was an absolute classic down in uh at the Cotton Bowl in, in Dallas Questions about what's going to happen in the future. You know, the the word from the student paper was that Caleb was taking all the first team snaps, suggesting maybe that Spencer would not be starting this week. Uh, you know, Lincoln Riley, head coach, got upset, banned everybody from practice. Uh, what was just what's been your take on kind of how this all went down and what's going to happen uh, this in the future? Is, this is one of the more unique situations that we've seen in modern in in modern college football. Uh, it is a situation that. I think it's been brewing for about five to six years now uh, where we've seen the trend of the best high school quarterbacks in the country have started to all go to the same schools. And a lot of times they don't care if there's a guy there who's also a top quarterback. They're willing to go to that school anyway. Sometimes in some cases guys going in the same class, two top two five stars or two top 10 quarterbacks deciding to go to the same school at the same time. No, only one of them can play. Mm-hmm. And what happens if one of them gets beat out, it gets beat out. I mean, you would think that that guy is going to transfer. Um, you know, I mean, so it's, this isn't the, the, that, that situation isn't, uh, isn't something that's, just come about this year this isn't the first time that's happened but this is the first time where we've seen a guy who was deeply entrenched as a starter was the incumbent was a full-time starter last season and was pretty good at his moments but what came into the season as a projected top 10 pick uh as a preseason heisman favorite that now is that now is benched and is now out of uh potentially out of his starting job and it creates a scenario where we're also going to see for the first time 
like this feels like something that you you see in basketball, where for take BJ Boston for example, mm-hmm. a guy who had a rough freshman season at the University of Kentucky said, "You know what? I was a top high school guy. I'm gonna just go to the NBA anyway." Was barely drafted, uh, drafted in the late second round. It's had a good preseason so far for the Clippers, but like. To me, that's where see, and we see those situations like BJ Boston. We've seen it a ton of times in the one and done era, where a guy had a bad freshman season, but he decides to go to the NBA anyway and gets drafted just off of basically his high school reputation. I feel like that's what we may be heading towards with Spencer Rattler, where he may not play another down or play another have lead another drive for the Oklahoma Sooners this season, or at least a meaningful drive. But he may still enter the NFL, the NFL draft, and I don't know if I've ever seen that before, uh, where a backup leaves early uh, to go to the NFL. But um, it's either that or it's enter the transfer portal. And if I'm if I'm advising Spencer Rattler, I would tell him this: I would tell him it's a bad quarterback class, and mm-hmm. even if he does not play the rest of the season. To me, he's a top five quarterback in this draft class, which is not saying a whole lot. I don't necessarily love Spencer Rattler as a prospect, but uh, I would still be willing to bet on him as one of the five best guys in this draft class at the QB spot. Um, Doesn't necessarily mean he's a first-round pick, but with that being said, I would also tell him that you can look at a guy like Matt Corral, who was in not a similar situation because he was the guy at Ole Miss, but he had an opportunity last season to follow. He was in the same recruiting class as Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Um, many people thought he was just as good or was maybe not just as good, but was in the the same class or same tier as those guys in terms of being a five-star, high four-star kind of quarterback. Uh, who would one day play in the NFL. And his career at Ole Miss had been slightly disappointing. He still could have entered the draft after having a good junior season under Lane Kiffin and could have went. He would have gotten drafted. He could have went maybe as high as the third round, maybe even higher, depending on how he worked out. But he decided to come back. And it surprised some people because, you know, he hadn't been spectacular and he was still going to get drafted anyway. But, he decided to come back thinking that potentially that, you know, obviously, obviously they could win, but also that he could improve his draft stock. And that's happened. He may wind up being the number one pick in the draft um, because he bet on himself and he bet on his, his, his development. Now, what I'll say is that not everybody's situation is the same. So obviously Matt Corral deciding to come back may not be the same for Spencer Rattler, but um, in terms of finances and whatnot, but those are the two options that are presented. Cause I think he's not coming back to Oklahoma, but he could transfer, go to a place like Oregon, for example, where if Oregon had Spencer Rattler, they'd probably still be undefeated right now. Um, Anthony Brown's good, but right now they're playing with a with a solid quarterback, but not anybody with any special traits or any special abilities. But if they, you gave them Spencer Rattler, they're, they're easily one of the best teams in the country. Uh, so there's plenty of programs that if they had Spencer Rattler, if Penn State had Spencer Rattler, I mean, Sean Clifford's played well, but if they had Spencer Rattler, they'd be in the hunt 
you know, if Iowa had Spencer Rattler, we'd feel much more comfortable about their chances of uh, competing at the highest level. So Spencer Rattler just happens to go to a school where Lincoln Riley is a quarterback guru and he recruits five stars every year. And so there just has to be another kid behind him who is better. And that's that's a tough pill to swallow for a guy who was all world coming out of high school. Yeah, but and, and it was supposed to be the guy. It was supposed to be the guy. It was supposed to be his turn. But at some point, if you're Lincoln Riley and, and, and he doesn't give you the best chance to win, I would not put it past. Now, we see that Williams is the guy taking the snaps. Um, there is an argument to be made that maybe Oklahoma should stick with Rattler for the interim just to keep him. Uh, I, mean, why, I mean, the question would be, why would they want to keep him? Because, from what I understand, they, their depth at the position is bad, and behind Williams is uh, walk-ons. So, if if Rattler were to say, now Rattler may just stick out, stick it out. He could stick I don't it think out. He, I don't think he has to. Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts did. Jalen Hurts did, and I think he earned a lot of respect from a lot of evaluators, from a lot of yeah. coaches, from just you know players in general in the league. But he didn't have to. No. And Spencer Rattler doesn't owe Oklahoma anything. Those those same fans that were booing him at home a couple of weeks ago, he doesn't need them. If he decided I'm gonna pack my bags, go back to Phoenix and start training for the NFL draft like James Wiseman did, it'd be it'd be completely in his right. But so if I'm Oklahoma, I understand that. And, you know, that's a situation where you may have to you may want to smooth that over because uh it may be best for 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 all, but also hold that key that or hold that 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 thought that you know if things ever got bad, you know that you have a break glass in case of emergency quarterback that may actually be better. Yeah, I mean, I I just think you know when it comes to you know locker room dynamics, Kendall, I just think it's hard that if you know it becomes clear that the guy who should be out there is sitting on the sideline. You could lose the locker room that way, especially when things go bad or, or or when Rattler struggles. Then you have Rattler also, you know, looking over his shoulder, and does that affect his play? Thinking that you know, anytime I play poorly, you know, uh, Williams can come out and 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 I might be out of, out of the starting job again, or at least out of this game. I I think that that's a little because of the, the politics at play. I don't know if they if OU can play that game. I think you have to um, play the guy you think is the best, and if it, you think it's Williams, then you got to go with Williams and whatever Rattler does, Rattler does. But, um, but to me, I, I think that that's kind of where, where they're at. It's, it's wild to see Rattler go from potentially QB one in the NFL draft to, you know, QB two on his own team. But that is, is very, that, that seems almost inevitable at this point. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think that eventually Williams is going to get this job. I mean, he won the biggest game of the year and played exceptional, um, and the fan base was already kind of like they kind of were antsy already about Rattler as, as, as how he's played this year. So, yeah, I know. I, I don't. Know, I think. I think that this is and, and Caleb is just is just. I mean, the guy is incredible. I mean, electric that throw, talent. That throw he made. He went on the run, threw it off his back foot about fifty yards on a rope for that touchdown down the sideline. I mean, that's just one. That's yeah. one of the best. That might be the best throw you see all college season. He had a play earlier in that game where he missed on a throw, but 
It was it was the arm talent is like, it's so obvious. The, yeah, the arm talent, the 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 window was so tight that he got yeah. it. That it, I was like, there's there's only three four quarterbacks on the planet that even attempt that, and their names are like Mahomes, Allen, you know Wilson, yeah, <laughs> Zach and Russell. <laughs> it yeah. may not go well for Zach, but right. yeah. Zach them. will try it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he definitely will try. So it. yeah, the, and couple that with the athleticism, um, the touchdown run that he had, you know, the talent is is there. And and let's be honest, man, the the the, the competitive temperament is yeah. it, it leans strongly towards Caleb Williams over, over Spencer Rattler. And that's the thing about Spencer Rattler is that uh, he's not a likable figure. Um, he's never been a likable figure in football spaces because in part because he was, look, he was the, the subject of a, of a Netflix documentary, uh, QB1, and, you know, was, it wasn't exactly the most uh, <laughs> humble uh, humble of, of guys uh, in high school uh, didn't necessarily wasn't wasn't necessarily portrayed as the most humble guy, but um, so he had a reputation coming in, and he he's he's put that some of that on himself. Plus, you throw in the NIL stuff, uh, and he's he's become a little bit of a target for people. And I think even his own fans have, right. have noticed it and put that you know had, seen that stuff and seen and felt antsy about it. And clearly, they you know they've responded. But Caleb Williams, I mean, we saw. I mean, it was a little it was a little unfortunate when Caleb Williams came in the game and first play runs eighty yards for a touchdown, and the you know crowd's going crazy, his teammates are going crazy, and Spencer Rattler is nowhere to be found. They show him one time, and he kind of looks like a deer in headlights, like oh well, I guess I just lost my job. Um, and then look, that's a tough spot for a guy to be in. But yeah, yeah, a lot of kids wouldn't be able to handle that spot. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough to spot to be in, so I don't, I don't, I don't envy it. But, um, but it's just, you know, I mean, you have to. I mean, <laughs> those are those situations where if you're going to be QB one for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year, uh, or the Houston Texans, like you have to be able to handle that. Um, so that's what teams. Honestly, I think that's what teams are honestly going to be more worried about when it comes to Rattler, uh, than than the, the on the field stuff. It's going to be what's his. What, how does he respond to the situation? And I think he may know that. He that may be part of why he stays. Like everything, everything that we know about Spencer Rattler suggests he's going to pack his bags and be in Phoenix next week. But we may, he may prove that the quote unquote hater is wrong and stick it out and be a team guy. And that would be something that is, you know. You know, not what people had assumed of him, but well, what that that'll be the thing that impresses I think NFL scouts the most potentially. It's a fascinating, fascinating situation. OU will have to keep following, but that's going to be it for the super size edition of New Generation Sports Talk. Hope you guys enjoyed listening to the podcast. Of course, 
You can catch our shows on New Generation Podcast Network. That's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media on Twitter, New Generation Pod, Instagram, New Generation Podcast. And uh, make sure you follow us individually on social media as well. You can find me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, Instagram, Action EJ. Kendall can be found on Twitter, New Gen Ken. Thank you guys again for checking us out. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.